1: Folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, the HagmanReport.com. That's where to find us. We have two. Uh, we have also two different shows. One in the morning, my show at nine o'clock, nine to ten Eastern, six to six to seven uh, Western, West Coast time, Pacific time, and of course Joe and John from two to three, that uh, supplement this show. This show is our mainstay, and tonight we've got a fantastic program pl- uh, planned out for you. You know, it's amazing to look at the headlines and how quickly they change. You've got North Korea, you've got you've got uh, a situation there. You've got uh, um, the uh, the claim that we're going to be talking about. This is an important situation about uh, Donald Trump working with Fox News uh, on DNC staffer story, the Seth Rich story. At, uh, the bottom of the second hour, we're gonna have, uh, we're gonna have Peter Chalka come in. He's been on top of this since the first moment this broke. And he's gonna explain. Because I, and he, he knows, he knows, he knows what's behind this. Trust me when I tell you. Trust me when I tell you. If anyone knows, he does. This is absolutely incredible. What's taking place here behind the scenes in the attempt to de- 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 delegitimize not just, they're going for broke. The deep state is going for broke they're across the board. Uh, delegitimize Donald Trump, delegitimize anyone associated with him, those people in power, go after the conservatives in the media, go after the new media, and uh, they've taken out all the stops. This is a war like I've never seen. I, you know, I thought it was going to be bad in January when I started to pay, you know, to, to, to really assess what was taking place. No clue. I had, admittedly, I had no clue. And, and you know, I've got to tell you, it angers me when I, when I look at the, uh, what's taking place. It, 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 I'm, I'm angered by what's taking place and the fact that so many people are buying it and so many people are, are, are not seeing what, what's, what's, really propelling the false narratives um, real quick how many people show of hands I hear in our vast studio audience how many people uh, listen to our day show uh or day my show Joe's show show of hands in our vast studio audience okay lady thanks Lady, put your paw down lady you put your paw down too lady of the studio dog she put both paws up um the thing is you can count for two. Oh I know, I'm I'm joking around. You've you sometimes you just have to stop and, and really smell the roses, watch the dogs play and get really um just just live life. You know, you can't you can't uh have such a narrow focus that you just go go crazy. Um but seriously, I, I, I hope you do tune into the new shows. We are expanding our venue and of course uh Joe and John are doing a great job. Uh I like to think I am, although, um since I signed the paychecks, you know, I, how can you tell, right? So, WND Superstore, go there. Check out the graphic on the top. Look at that graphic. It is awesome. Isn't that, isn't that really a really neat graphic up there? It
2: is awesome.
1: See, people listening via Global Star and BTR can't see it. If you go to HagmanReport.com, look at that graphic. WND Superstore and Hagman Report together. Um, use promo code Hagman. Click on the, all you gotta do, all you gotta, look, anything at WND Superstore, any of the books, the, the, the magazines, the, anything, anything. The yeah. used shirts, I'm kidding. <laughs> but if use shirts. Yeah, uh, yeah, really, I was, you know, I, I did kind of peruse their, um I clicked on the link and I perused the, the, the store. I didn't realize how, wow, wow. Yeah, it's going to type in, you know, used car, see if I could buy a car from them. And seriously, it's great, it's fantastic. WOD Superstore, promo code Hagman. Click on the link on HagmanReport.com. All right. We well, we got, got a great show for you lined up. Go ahead, Joe.
2: Yes, we do. And with us now is Brandon House, WorldViewWeekend.com, WorldViewWeekend.com. He's going to be with us for the first hour. We're going to talk about a number of things uh, pertaining to Islamophobia, interfaith dialogue, and uh, a number of other important aspects of Islam and Christianity. Brandon, welcome back to the show.
3: Hey, good to be with you guys. Thank you.
2: Well, thanks
1: for coming on, my brother. Now, let's start at the beginning of... Well, I'll tell you what, you pick the starting point in this case. Brandon, go.
3: Well, uh, I found a quote this week. A friend of mine in California, my editor Jill, who I know is watching, uh, sent me the book. That I said I wanted to get, she heard on my radio show I wanted it, so she had it drop shipped to me, and I've read it. Building a bridge, building to nowhere. It's by Stephen Kaufman, the Catholic Church's case study in interfaith delusion. Uh, this 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 is an excellent book. But listen to this, because this whole thing we talked about with James White, uh, uh, a minister who really, quite frankly, isn't that well known. He's only you know really followed within Calvinist circles, Reformed theology circles. Uh but I'll say that he's really not that well known. But it's shocking. It's not because it's not a it's a big deal, not because he's well known. It's a big deal because of who he is well known with. The people that follow him. That's what makes this a big deal. We know the mainline liberals, we know the neo-evangelicals, we know the social justice crowd are all about uh interfaith dialogue. We didn't think the folks that follow the reform theology, people who maybe are Calvinist, because those are loaded terms that can mean a lot of things, but they tend to be people who are rather theologically conservative. They tend to be people who are not for ecumenicalism and pluralism and things like that. So when this guy comes to our town and sits with a jihadi imam, a Jew-hating, Holocaust-denying, Hitler-defending, you know, uh, uh, terrorist-menting jihadi, and I believe that's what he is based on all my research, and in fact, If you want to see the research I've done on all this, this is my, this is my research on just this one issue. Just Uh, this one
1: issue. uh, That looks like, hey, that, that looks like my desk. You know, I love it. I love it, man. You're old school. That's great.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Old school when it comes to the research. So, uh, this is a big deal. And what's really shocking is even while I was waiting to go on air here, I just tweeted out at, at our on our Twitter handle is at WVWOnline, online. At WVWOnline, online stands for Worldview Weekend. I just tweeted out a screenshot of shockingly, uh we knew he was defending it to a degree, but now the even the executive director of John MacArthur's Grace to You has said he doesn't think it's unbiblical what James White has done. Now, again, much of your audience has no clue who James White is, but just understand why this matters. People that have traditionally held the line theologically uh, within evangelicalism are now defending pragmatically, for other reasons, good old boy club, whatever reason they have, something that they would not have tolerated before, and it shows us, I believe, how late the hour is. But they're also, unfortunately, people that you never thought would become Islamic dupes or, dare I say, useful idiots for Islam are. Now, again, when I use the term useful idiots, some people, they get upset. They don't like that. They think that's not nice. That's not professional. I'm calling people names. No, that's a that's historical term. It's a classification of people. So please understand uh, what it means and what it doesn't mean. But listen to this, what I found in this book, Bridge Building to Nowhere. It talks about a guy by the name of Siad Qatub. Syed Qatub. He was a Muslim Brotherhood guy out of Egypt. They finally uh, hung the guy because he was involved in assassination attempts and other things over there in Egypt years ago. But here's what he said. The chasm between Islam and the society of unbelievers is great. Uh, society of unbelievers, that be your non-Muslims. The chasm between Islam and the society of unbelievers is great, and a bridge is not to be built across it so that people on the two sides may mix with each other, but only so that the people of the society of unbelievers may come over to Islam, end quote. So, guys, what is the purpose of interfaith dialogue? It is to convert people to Islam. Yet, what are we hearing from the reformed, The Bible, Baptist, Baptist, uh, Bible, Reformed, Calvinist churches. This is evangelism. No, this is not biblical evangelism. This is not what Paul was doing on Mars Hill in the book of Acts. He was not seeking common ground. This is not at all. People are taking it out of context. People that you thought knew how to study the Bible in context apparently don't. But, guys, this is a whole new world and the the muslims and the the Islamic Society of North America Muslim Brotherhood they all must be rejoicing guys because now they have gotten a whole new conservative theologically conservative realm to defend Islam and that's yeah. what they're doing they maybe don't know it but that's what they're doing
2: and Brennan um last year in January uh and you you said uh, what you said was right that this interfaith uh, dialogue is is uh, far-reaching through all denominations of Christianity Even the Pope last year stressed interfaith unity Saying we are all children of God In the Pope's first ever video message on his monthly prayer uh, Back in January of 2016 He talked about the importance of interreligious dialogue Even though people have beliefs in different faiths and traditions They say that they have stuff in common Such as the figure of God and love and he goes on to to say uh, many think differently feel differently seeking god or meeting god in different ways and he goes on to you know back up what he said and and is basically saying that there are uh, you don't have to be a a believer in jesus christ in order to uh find god and this is a uh, you know uh, many people many pastors even we see uh you know say that there's no wrong faith there's no wrong way that uh you know each culture and individual region or religion Um, you know, finds God in their own way, basically uh, negating what Jesus did on the cross and, uh, turning away from their own faith. It's very troubling. But there are many excuses why people do this. They say for understanding, for educational purposes, and sometimes, uh, you know, for, for uh, conversion. And
1: other times because they're idiots. (laughs) Okay. And by the way, Brandon, uh, we're, we're, we're gonna forego the bottom of the hour break, so you got the full hour.
3: All right. Well, uh, you know, the Pope has said many crazy things. Pope Francis, the first Jesuit ever Pope, first ever Jesuit Pope. That's a big deal. I have a whole program on my website, several hours on the Jesuit Jesuits and what they're all about at worldviewtimes.com. But uh, you know, you got Pope Francis, you got Pope Benedict. They're doing all these kind of things. So you have the Catholic world, and I try, I try to separate you know, the Catholicism and then the Protestant world, because Protestant, that comes from the word protest, which really came out of the Reformation. So you have the Catholic world doing what they're doing. You have the Protestant world, the evangelical world, doing what they're doing. But What's very interesting is there are many conservative Catholics. Now, I would not agree with them theologically. I would not agree with them on many issues of, of, the, of doctrine that the Catholic Church teaches, But we are in agreement on this issue of Islam, others as well, abortion, other things. But we are in agreement on this issue of Islam and many of the best books exposing the Islamic and the Marxist agenda, the Muslims and Marxists working together are written by conservative Catholics and many of the conservative Catholics are now going against the left wing within the Catholic Church. So I understand what it is they're doing. Here we are in the Protestant world, I am, the evangelical world, if you will, and we have battled the liberals. They started out, you know, with uh, things a few years ago. One example would be the Yale document that said that Muslims and Christians all worship the same God. Wrong. Muslims don't believe in the Trinity. Muslims don't believe in the deity of Christ. Muslims don't believe in a personal God. Muslims don't believe... That uh, their god, uh, their fa- fake god, false god Allah, would ever take on human form. So they don't even believe that. They just say this so that the ignorant so-called Christians will will sign on to the Yale document, which is again put forth by them. And then all these neo-evangelicals came forward and signed the Yale document that says Muslims and Christians worship the same God. All you got to do is put it into a search engine the Yale document, a common word, you'll find it. You'll find all the signatories. Well, among them, you have people like Rick Warren, you have uh, Leith Anderson of the National Association of Evangelicals, Bill Hybels out of Chicago. Um, you have lots of people, some folks from Fuller Theological Seminary, which went liberal many years ago. But we've never seen people from the Reformed, conservative Reformed camp of Baptist uh, Reformed churches defending interfaith dialogue as they have with uh, James White, and it's created a huge deal within evangelicalism, and frankly, it's exposing a lot of people, and again, it, I think the most shocking is to think that someone like John MacArthur, who has opposed evangelicals and Catholics together, that his executive director of Grace to You, Phil Johnson, has been so voracious in his defense of something that even his own boss has preached again, but yet we can't find anything where his boss is coming out and speaking out against Phil and correcting Phil. So what it's doing is it's setting a very dangerous precedent, I believe, for many people. And already in the last few weeks, I've seen a uh, a very well-known uh, Christian writer who I've known for many years, known personally for many years. His son just tweeted a picture of him in a mosque in an interfaith dialogue and was, was saying, look at me in this interfaith dialogue. I think the floodgates are now open, and these guys have no clue what they're doing. But tonight, if you want to go down the list of questions I've sent you, I will lay it out for you because, let me tell you, so-called conservative evangelicals are helping to surrender America to Muslims. And if you want to start shooting the questions at me, I'll start sure. answering them.
2: Sure. Um, uh One of the first questions, you talk about the book called Interfaith Dialogue, A Guide for Muslims. And in that book, it talks about the Muslim agenda and what, uh, helped to fund the book and what are some of the significant issues in the book. So this book, uh, yeah, well, Interfaith Dialogue, well, follow a the money on this. Muslims. Yeah. Follow the money on this too. In,
1: in, in the larger sense too, Brandon, the money okay. is, is an issue to me.
3: Well, here is a, a, a copy of a few pages. You can get the book if you want to bother reading it. Interfaith Dialogue, A Guide for Muslims. And we go right away to the acknowledgment section to see who is a part of this. And it says, this guide is sponsored by the Conflict Transformation Grant. Well, that's interesting. The Conflict Transformation Grant. I want to focus on that word for a minute, transformation. Because what people like Rick Warren and Bill Hybels and many others have done with their secret sensitive church model is they've taken traditional churches and they've put them into transition until they've completely transformed it. Traditional, transitional, transformational. And they turned their traditional churches into seeker-sensitive, social justice, social gospel, liberal churches that are now concerned about letting all the immigrants come in without any vetting, global warming, what would Jesus drive, redistribution of wealth, and every other neo-Marxist idea that comes down the pike. Well, again, these are now churches that have been completely transformed but they weren't like that always. They started out traditional, then they were in transition. And people are like, something's changing. Our church is changing. Not the church my father or grandfather helped to found. Traditional, transitional, and then pretty soon completely transformed. Now that is exactly what's going on in the country. Traditional, then we're in transition, until so the country has been completely transformed. By the way, it's by some of the same people. It's by some of the same players. It's for some of the same purposes, which is what I wrote in my book, Religious Trojan Horse, and the follow-up book, The Coming Religious Reich, Reich meaning empire or kingdom. We're going to get a global empire. And it's going to be about 58 miles south of Baghdad in Babylon, and it'll be based on a false religious system an economic system and a political system. So notice that this is put out by people involved in conflict transformation. Oh yeah, remember when Barack Obama said he wanted to fundamentally transform America? Well this is how they're doing it, with neo-Marxist and and Muslims working together. So the guide is sponsored by the Conflict Transformation Grant, an interfaith project co-managed by Fuller Seminary. Now this is where Rick Warren graduated from. Shockingly, no, this is also where James White graduated from. Fuller Seminary. Has anything good come out of Fuller? I don't think so. I think they pretty much went south within days of opening their doors. It was also sponsored by the Islamic Society of North America. That's a front group for Muslim Brotherhood, which is tied to Hamas. And of course John Gondola and Chris Govitz and all these guys could tell you a lot about that. I know they're a regular guest of yours. So that's who's a part of this. And who helped fund it? Follow the money? It said that there was a special contribution by Fuller. Uh, It says um, that the um, Center for Interface Studies and Dialogue recognized the special contributions of the Conflict Transformation Project that is led by Fuller Theological Seminary. Without their financial support, this project could not have been realized. So we have exactly what... The globalists have sought to do for a long time. They're using religion. Don't forget the Fabian window. By the way, I believe uh, Rick Warren is pretty well similar to a Fabian. We would maybe call him a communitarian. Communitarian socialism mixed with capitalism. He he was mentored by Peter Drucker. We have Peter Drucker on video saying he was a communitarian, mixing socialism with capitalism, very much like Fabian socialism that came out of London. Um, The Labor Party came out of the Fabian Social Society. Tony Blair is a Fabian socialist. Um, He unveiled the Fabian window a few years ago after it was stolen and reappeared. The Fabian window was created by George Bernard Shaw in 1910. Uh, It has two men banging on a hot earth or globe that's uh, in crisis. Remold it nearer to the heart's desire is what it says in the stained glass window. A crisis that allows them to remold the world. And then above the world that's on fire is a wolf in sheep's clothing. The Fabians have always said they would use religion to bring about globalism. And what is Tony Blair doing? Running the Tony Blair Faith Foundation that seeks to bring the religions of the world together as one. Rick Warren brought Tony Blair to his church a few years ago, had a long dialogue with him, gave him an award. Tony Blair, again, Fabian socialist. Rick Warren, graduate of Fuller Seminary, and says he was mentored by communitarian uh, Peter Drucker. So you see the role religions playing in all this, guys?
2: Absolutely. Uh, and it's very disturbing. And I know I've heard, uh, you know, the, some of the Rick Warren stuff before, but some of the other, um, I mean, it is disturbing to see so many people being involved in this. And it, it keeps bringing up the same question to me. What do these people hope to accomplish? Well, well, I think, I think he just said it. And correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Fabian socialism, the Fabius the, the Fabian uh, socialistic uh, ideology, the the, uh, socialistic, the uto- utopian road to hell yeah. is, is what we're looking at here. That's the yeah. objective.
3: Don't think they don't think they're building the kingdom of God on earth. John Rockefeller Jr., I quote in my book, Religious Trojan Horse, said that he wished that, that we could see religion the way it should be, all the great religions working together to literally create the kingdom of God on earth. I quote that in my book, Religious Trojan Horse. And a shameless plug, they can get it at uh, worldviewtimes.com and our bookstore at worldviewtimes.com. I is highly Facebook. recommend
1: it. It, it. Please say the title again and tell them where to get it again. I highly uh, recommend this.
3: Thank you. Religious Trojan Horse, it's a, uh, what is it, it's like 600 pages book, Religious Trojan Horse. And then I, the follow-up to it is The Coming Religious Rite. Both of them at uh, W uh, Worldview. Just go to worldviewtimes.com. But yeah, that's what John Rockefeller Jr. said. They're literally building the kingdom of God on earth. No, they're not. Jesus said in John, uh, I think it was chapter 18, that His kingdom was not of this world. It was not from here. Uh That if it were, He would fight to keep His uh, and His disciples would fight to keep Him from being turned over to the Jews. No, God will bring His kingdom, Daniel 2. It will crush Satan's kingdom. Which Satan will get a kingdom? That's the religious right that will come. uh, uh, God's kingdom will come, Daniel 2. It will crush Satan's kingdom, and of God's kingdom, there will be no end. So you're right. It is uh, a world religious government they're seeking. In fact, Revelation chapter 17, verse 1, speaks of the great harlot that sits on many waters. That's a world-dominant false church. Then John is carried away in the spirit, and he sees a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. That's Babylon. So you have a false-dominant church that helps to bring about a partnership with Babylon, an economic... Uh, political systems. You have religion and then economics and uh, politics. And that great harlot sits on many waters. That's a metaphor for the world. And so that helps usher in. So understand, this false religious system we're talking about and interfaith dialogue is helping to build that and evangelicals, so-called Bible-believing conservative evangelicals defending it whether they know it or not, are helping to build the great harlot of Revelation 17:1, that is used alongside the religious and or the economic and political system of Babylon. Then in Revelation chapter 17, verse 15, Babylon, that great city, she's a harlot. She destroys what is called the great harlot, the false church in 17 Revelation 17:1, 17, destroys her, eats of her devours of her flesh. That makes Babylon now the great harlot, and the whole system now is in one, religious, economical, and political in one system, 58 miles south of Baghdad. By the way, in my book, The Coming Religious Reich, I quote uh, army war college experts saying we should move the United Nations, uh, once the region is stabilized, to literal Babylon. That's where it all started, Genesis 10 and Genesis 11. The mother of harlots, it says in Revelation 17. Why is she the mother of harlots? Because it all started over in in Genesis 10 at the Tower of Babel. That's where God confused their language. They took their false uh, mother-son occult system all over the world, different languages, different names. But now it's all coming back together from Genesis 10 back to Revelation 17. Her children are coming home, Babylon. She's the mother of Harlot. She's the mother of all the false world religious systems. So you've got to get all these religions now to come together as one. And let me tell you, by the way, this guy, that, that this Syed Qutub, who said that uh, the Islamic interfaith dialogue bridge is a one-way bridge, he, by the way, is considered one of the leading scholars of the Muslims. But let me tell you who also sponsored this uh, little booklet with um, uh, Fuller Theological Seminary. Let I me mean, we'll, we'll grab this. This little book, Interfaith Dialogue, A Guide for Muslims, it actually was sponsored also by the International Institute of Islamic Thought. The International Institute of Islamic Thought helped sponsor it. Now, who are they? Well, they were founded by a guy named Anwar Ibram, who likes to present himself as a moderate, like most of them do, but he's a total Islamist jihadist. But let me tell you a little bit about uh, the International Institute of Islamic Thought. Have you guys ever heard the phrase Islamophobia? Have you ever heard that phrase?
2: Oh, all the time. Uh, most recently it was used by the attorney of the Awan, uh, Amir and Awan, for saying his, his uh, prosecution and and all this uh, publicity he's getting from you know blackmailing Congress is just because of Islamophobia.
3: Yeah, And you know how many um, of the uh, Muslims call me an Islamophobic? You know how many of the neo-Marxists call me an Islamophobic? But guess what? Now so-called conservative Bible-believing conservative pastors and elders are now writing and tweeting and Facebooking that I'm an Islamophobic. Usama Dakdak, Sharam Hadian, Sharam being a former Muslim, it, uh, Sh- uh Usama being from Egypt, an expert on Islam. That When we broke this story, and I broke the story and brought them to our TV studio, and we produced these four shows explaining who James White's sitting with, one of the biggest jihadi-promoting imams in America, trying to find common ground, saying, you know, where can we agree? How can we find where we agree? Where can we disagree? Where do we agree? You can't find common ground with jihadists saying he senses as a kindred spirit with this jihadi imam, saying he mentored him in part in parts of Islam, saying he wants uh, Yasser Qadi, this jihadi imam who we have preaching about how you can take the property of the Christians and the Jews during jihad and their life. he sits with him and says, "Would you make a video so my community can better understand Islam? His community being, I guess reformed Calvinist Bible Baptist churches. I mean, ridiculous, really? Would you ask a Satanist to make a video to teach the church about Satanism? Of course not. But who helped sponsor this book on interfaith dialogue? Well, Fuller Seminary, which again is where James White reportedly graduated from, according to its own website, and Rick Warren, among others, but also the International Institute of Islamic Thought, which, by the way, they are the ones, according to discoverthenetworks.org, they're the ones that coined the phrase in the early 90s, Islamophobia. Why did they do this? Well, according to a former, former, International Institute of Islamic Thought member by the name of Abdur Rahim Mohammed, who rejected the theology and ideology of this group and resigned, said this. He said that the um, uh, quote, the original intent behind the concept of Islamophobia is this quote: this lonesome term is nothing more than a thought eliminating or thought terminating cliche, conceived in the bowels of Muslim think tanks. For the purpose of beating down critics. End quote. And and in other words, folks, Islamophobia is a term that is used to paint someone as a racist, a bigot, so they sit down and they shut up. Now, the so-called Bible, some of the people in the so-called conservative Bible ring are now saying we're Islamophobic. And they're not saying as much that we're racist, although they're, they're very close to that. They're saying, well, we don't have a love for the Muslims, we don't want to reach the Muslim for Jesus. We want the Muslims to go to hell. We have such hatred for the Muslims. We have a political gospel. Now, this is what so-called conservative Christian pastors and elders that follow and are defending James White are saying to us on social media. We have the screenshots. You know what they're really saying? You're an Islamophobic. You know what they're really doing, I believe? They're now defending Islam. They're now defending Islam, yet they don't even know that. But did you know that was the goal according to the 1991 Muslim Brotherhood explanatory memorandum. It was written in 1991 by Muslim Brotherhood, a group that dates all the way back to the early 1900s out of Egypt and helped Hitler with a final solution. Their 1991 memorandum said that they would get Americans to destroy their own house, destroy their own miserable house with their own hands. And what they said is they would co-opt sheriffs, chief of police, pastors, religious leaders through interfaith dialogue to stop the criticism but then get these people who had bought the lie of interfaith dialogue to defend islam which What's is happening?
4: which which
1: I just want to throw in there the memorandum the document you you, just, you you talked about written in 91 discovered in 92 during the holy land foundation uh raid is connected to the muslim brotherhood and care the unindicted co-conspirator of the Holy Land Foundation raid, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, which had, until Donald Trump got in the White House, unfettered access to the White House via the car dinners and such. Go ahead, sir.
3: And so what was their goal? Their goal was to use interfaith dialogue to get Americans to defend Islam. What do we see now? Not only are Americans defending Islam we now have so-called Bible conservative pastors and elders and churchmen defending Islam now they would say no 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 we're defending the gospel we're defending our friend who's involved in an interfaith dialogue because he loves Jesus and he loves the Muslim this is not how you reach him this is a clear violation of second John 9 through 11 Romans 16:17 Ephesians 5:11 you know I can give you all kinds of scriptures 2 Corinthians 6:14 through 17. This is not what Paul was doing on Mars Hill, despite what they will tell you. He, Paul was not seeking common ground with them. He was not seeking where he agreed with the Stoics or the New Agers or the atheists of his day. Not at all. Totally different than going out and preaching the gospel in the public realm. He did not bring in the wolves among the, the, the sheep. You'll see nowhere where the apostles were bringing in false teachers in the little New Testament churches that were being birthed and giving a dialogue setting for wolves. Period. But these people don't realize, by defending the interfaith dialogue, by defending what James White and others are doing in these things, they're ultimately, I believe, defending Islam. Because what they're doing is they're painting people like me and others who speak truth as haters, bigots, we don't love the Muslim, we don't want to reach the Muslim for Christ. And now, how many people do you think are going to be ready to step forward and step out and speak the truth about Islam? Not many, Because they see what has happened to myself and others who have done this on social media and blogs and programs and radio. Who would ever want to get out of the tall grass to try to warn Americans, to lift up a shout of warning to Americans? You're you're falling into a trap of interfaith dialogue. It's one of the biggest ways for them to destroy our own country from within. In fact, again, remember this little document is written in part with the help of people at Fuller Seminary and... Islamic Society of North America, which is Muslim Brotherhood, and the Islamic International Institute, which is Muslim Brotherhood. And look listen to this. According to Muslim Brotherhood expert and journalist Ian Johnson, the International Institute of Islamic Trust was created with, for the purpose of serving as an Islamic think tank in supporting of spreading a political Islam. It can be also safely said that this group established in the U.S. was also part of the effort to create a channel to voice and spread Islamic doctrine to Muslim audiences around the world, be they in North America, Europe, or elsewhere. Now this is really interesting. Listen to this. This group, the International Institute of Islamic Trust, which is promoting interfaith dialogue with groups like Fuller Seminary, said this. Unlike the past, the civilizational forces contending in this country, or in this century, can reach and overtake anyone without invasion or military occupation of his land. In other words, they don't need a military to do this. They can subvert his mind, convert him to their worldview, neutralize and contain him as a puppet, whether he is aware of it or not. Well, I would contend that's what many of these so-called conservatives, Bible pastors, elders, (coughs) churchmen are doing. They become puppets for Islam by defending interfaith dialogue. They go on to say, Certainly these forces are contending with one another to dominate the world. That's their goal, world domination. And it is the decision of Muslims today whether Islam will be their victor tomorrow. Whether Muslims will be the makers of history or merely, merely the objects. Indeed, a civilizational battle now in progress in the world scene will not leave anyone unscathed. What they call it, guys? A civilizational battle. Battle. Who is helping to sponsor Interfaith Dialogue? This group that says we're going to help do this as part of Muslim Brotherhood to have Americans defending Islam. What do we see now? Our exposing of Interfaith Dialogue with a very prominent uh, man within one small segment of evangelicalism. He's not that well known outside this little circle. It's quite small, quite frankly. Praise the Lord for that. But they're defending it, and it's a group of people that you would never thought would defend Islam, and now they're defending interfaith dialogue, which really means they're defending the tactic of Islam, which I means, I think means they're defending Islam. Therefore, they're helping destroy our country, <coughs> our miserable house, as they called it in the memorandum in 91, with their own hand.
1: Civilization, jihad, is... is Indeed. And, and, and this is where, too, um, if I can just kind of stray a bit, this is where we see... Um, the red green axis. This is where we see oh, the right. and 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 the, the the marches, the women's marches, where you see the the, the Muslims or, or the uh, um um no, not not just the women's marches, but the homosexual marches, where 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 you see the uh, uh the alliance there. This unholy alliance that makes it no sense. You
3: know what? You know what? You're you're right. Here is an article about a guy named Abu Battal. Abu Battal I write about in my book Religious Trojan Horse. Abu Battal is a Muslim. He founded his interfaith dialogue in the basement, uh, in a basement in Chicago in 2002. Well, that's interesting because Barack Obama started out in the basement of a liberal Catholic church in their social justice department in the basement. Both of these guys started their movements in a basement in Chicago. He's a Muslim. He runs interfaith youth corps. Obama appointed him to a major position in his administration. He's not only a Muslim, he's a Rhodes Scholar. He also admits that one of his disciples that 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 he follows is neo-Marxist Saul Alinsky. He admits that. Saul Alinsky was a neo-Marxist who Hillary wrote her paper on at Wesley. Uh, He wanted her to come work for him and she said no and she went on and worked on Capitol Hill I think in the Watergate hearings. He, Saul Alinsky, in the original version dedicated his book to Lucifer, the first rebel who sought to win his own kingdom. And yet this Abu Battal, a Muslim, who has the Interfaith Youth Corps, work with Barack Obama, has now put interfaith networks into 500 universities in America. 500. I asked my listening audience the other night to go and type whatever state they live in and put Maryland Interfaith Network, Minnesota Interfaith Network, Illinois Interfaith Network, uh, California interfaith, ne- interfaith Network, Maine Interfaith Network, Uh, Interfaith Network, whatever it might be. Then maybe put in the cities and some of the big cities in your state. Chicago Interfaith Network, Dallas Interfaith Network, maybe Minneapolis Interfaith Network, Nashville Interfaith Network. And I asked them to put this back on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash worldview weekend. About 150 posts of all of these interfaith networks. Guess what they're doing, guys? They're bringing all the religious communities together in their state and big cities as neo marxist and Muslims and New Agers and they're pushing global warming. Earth worship. Gaia. Mother Earth. That's very interesting because that fits right in with the one world religious system of pantheism. All is God. Panentheism. God is in all. The worship of Earth. The worship of Mother Earth. Gaia Earth worship. She. It. Earth. That's God. Kind of avatar. So now you have, as you're saying, the religious element with a neo-Marxist movement with the Muslims and all the other, quote, faith groups coming together in these interfaith networks to do the Saul Alinsky bidding to now say, what would Jesus drive? What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus was an immigrant, so says Russell Moore of the Southern Baptist Convention, the religious group he has there, the Ethics and Religious uh, Committee out of the Southern Baptist Convention. Jesus on C-SPAN, we have on video, well Jesus was an immigrant, we got to welcome the stranger in a foreign land. Well he's using Leviticus 19 out of context, that has to do with the Jews not lording their being Jew over a non-Jew. If they worship the one true God and they're not circumcised, let them worship with you. That has nothing to do with immigration. But here you have a religious guy like Russell Moore, the Southern Baptist, largest Protestant denomination, pushing amnesty and working with Obama. And now you see all these groups pushing the bidding and saying, well, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus drive? So many people then sit down and they're quiet because now you're a bad Christian if you don't do this stuff. And who's pushing this agenda? The interfaith networks across this country. And so this is not just religious. This is political. It is economic. It is the three-legged stool of world government. But you're right. Here he is, Abu Patel, saying... He was influenced, as a Muslim who runs Interfaith Youth Core, by Saul Alinsky, the neo-Marxist. This is the red-green axis. You're absolutely right.
2: You know, we keep um, the the red-green axis keeps coming up. Access keeps coming up with a number of of guests <laughs> that we have on for different subjects, whether it is, uh, you know, talking about immigration or the Islamic component that that you're referencing, to all the way to you know what the Democratic Party has become. As far as uh, trying to overthrow this country and, and push it into a socialist slash communist direction by subverting the laws uh, in this country, and it's really interesting to see how these two groups work together and have a similar agenda, even though one's political and one's quasi you know religious political, that being Islam, but their effectiveness in in being able to not only subvert the minds of the people, but their their effectiveness in changing the laws of the land. Or their attempts to, uh, is very startling and we need to take notice of this. Brandon, I know you, um, uncovered six goals in your research that sum up what the goals of the interfaith dialogue are. Do you want to get into these?
3: Yes, please. Thank you. Um, one would be to con- convert, to convert people to Islam. And we already saw, uh, Sied Khutub mention that, that the, the interfaith dialogue is as a one-way bridge to bring people over to Islam. That's it. So number one would be to gain converse to Islam. Two would be a civilizational battle or a civilizational jihad as we just heard from the quote by the International Institute of Islamic Thought They're going to use interfaith dialogue and these things to have a civilizational battle, to get us to destroy our own country by our own hand from within, also as said by the Muslim Brotherhood Memorandum from 1991. So one is to convert people to Islam. Two is a civilizational jihad. Three is to stop the criticism of Islam, as I've already mentioned. You you use the term Islamophobia, you paint people as racist, bigots, they don't really love Muslims, they don't want to reach Muslims for Jesus, you're a bad Christian, so it's to stop the criticism. Fourth, it would be to paint anyone that speaks truth about Islam as a hater. Anyone that speaks Islam uh, truth about Islam as a hater. And then fifthly, it would be to set up the persecution of Christians. To set up the persecution of Christians and patriots. So now, in fact, Abu Patel in this article that I dropped on the floor because I thought I was done with it. In this article, he says... That there's really only about 1% of the population that are bringing about discrimination and a divide. 1% discriminate and divide. The 1%. So the 1% of Christians and patriots that speak the truth, really what's happening is interfaith dialogue is setting up the persecution for those people. There'll be persecution. So you start to, uh, go after these folks. You say, well, who are the, who are the fundamentalists? Who are the troublemakers? Who are the patriots? Who are the constitutionalists? Who are the real Bible-leaving Christians that are keeping everybody from getting along? And so this sets up now the truth-tellers to become the persecuted. And then finally, it would be to have Americans, as I said earlier, defending Islam. And that's exactly what we see happening. You now have Americans defending Islam because they don't want to be seen as a hater. They don't want to see, be seen as a, a bigot. They want to go along with the group consensus. They don't want to be a troublemaker. They don't want to be persecuted. So what do they do? They now defend Islam. This is how you destroy a country from within. And folks, uh, sadly again, even conservative, evangelical folks are coming out and saying, well, I don't think what James White did with that jihadi uh, imam in that Irvate Dialogue in Memphis, my town, uh is a problem. I don't think it's unbiblical. Uh, again, would you have expected that from Phil Johnson, the executive director of Grace to You of John MacArthur? No, absolutely not. From uh a mainline church, a liberal church? Yeah. This again shows us how how late the hour is, how uneducated people are, how many of these people are, I believe, uh intellectual uh, simpletons. Uh they don't understand the issues. Uh th- they are unfortunately Uh, really doing great damage I believe to the true church whether they know it or not or intend to or not and it's is very very serious and so serious that we've even got some folks that have been on our network that have been defending this because they're friends of James White and we just cut some of them loose today because we're not going to have a network of people that cannot stand for truth we're not a network that can be bought we cannot be intimidated we're not part of a good old boy club you have built your audience the same way we have being independent broadcasters. And if some of the broadcasters we carry on our network want to be friends with James White and defend what he has done, well, it's the, it's the undefendable. And if they cannot get in line with what is right, we will not permit them to harangue us, to intimidate us, to email us, to text us, to call us for weeks on end if they've done, trying to get us to be quiet because this is their friend. I'm sorry. We cannot be bought. So we booted a few of them today and let the word go forth. I will not sit down and give this country over to the Muslim Brotherhood that has killed 5 million Jews, 6 million million non-Jews, I believe, by helping Hitler and the Final Solution through Albana, the founder of Muslim Brotherhood, and the Grand Mufti of Israel, al-Husseini, who got over 10,000... Bosnian Muslims and other Muslims to wear the Nazi uniform including the swastika and the crescent moon and sword I will not sit down for this if I end up being the only program on my own network so be it I will not be intimidated I will not be bought.
1: coexistence is a lie from hell simple as that it doesn't mean what you think it means and even if it did mean that it's it, it, it's not it's not uh, biblically possible, and and I, I admire you. Uh, and really, this needs to be said. We need to have this discussion among all Christians, among all Christian conservatives, because what you are saying is so true. If we don't stop this right here and right now, we're gonna uh, the, the gutless wonders that are protesting about what you're saying and what we're saying. These spine, well, I, I you know what? That's giving them a little bit of a pass. Uh, um, it, it, if we don't put a stop to this, our children are going to be sold into slavery. Our children are going to be sold into bondage. They will be in bondage. Our country will not be our country. It'll be, uh, someone's Lama Caliphate as they state that their uh, objective is by 2050. And that hasn't changed.
3: I know a guy, I know a guy personally at a well-known Bible seminary that thinks the greatest threat to America is not Islam, but the Jewish bankers running the world. Now, I don't know what he's drinking or smoking, but this is a seminary professor at one of the most conservative Bible seminaries in America thinking that the greatest threat to America is not Islam, that House and his friends have gone off the cliff, the greatest threat really is the Jewish bankers.
1: N- uh, n- n- never, called- never a day goes by, Brandon, that we don't get. It's the Jews. It's the Jews. It's the Jewish bankers. W- w- that that narrative has run thin with me. And we get emails, we get letters, and it's it's a bunch of crap. But where does this come from?
3: Uh, well, I think they're reading a lot of conspiracy stuff, and then they want to tell us that the CIA is behind all this. That the CIA is really the one doing this. Uh, you know, well, that's what Linda Sassour, I believe, I saw a tweet from her after she talked about uh, jihad on Trump. I believe I saw her, Linda Sassour, who, by the way, Yasser Khadi, who James White was sitting with uh, in Memphis here in my hometown, uh, in his little interfaith dialogue. Yasser Khadi was reportedly at that uh, of, uh, conference where she, Linda Sassour, talked about jihad on Trump. And Linda Sassour, I believe I saw a tweet from her a few days later saying that underwear bomber, well, that was really all just a big old CIA thing. So now we have some people in the religious community, so-called conservative religious community, telling us that all of this world caliphate the Muslims are trying to build is really the CIA. Uh, Well, I do think we probably have some people that have converted to Islam inside the CIA and some other places. But they're part of the deep state, and that's what we're trying to clean out and preserve the country and defend the churches and keep the airwaves open and keep the pulpit from being shackled. <laughs> but these people all think that this whole war of Islam coming against us and killing us is all fake actors, stage, not really happening, or a ploy of the CIA. Uh, I'm sorry uh, to tell you... What is happening is a ploy of Satan, and it comes out of the Quran and the Hadith, and it fits right in with Bible prophecy, and eventually the Marxists and the Muslims will build a coalition, this coalition of Ezekiel 38 and 39, and they will move against Israel, and it's not the CIA doing it. It says in Ezekiel 38, God puts a hook in their mouth and draws them out. Why? To judge them. To judge them. And for what purpose? So that God, the whole world will know the Lord, that, the, that the Lord God is who He is. It wasn't the CIA. This is the, Ill, Ill, just the stupidity coming out of the so-called conservative Bible seminaries that are training our pastors who then turn around and train the congregation. No wonder so much of evangelical, uh, conservative, uh, uh, churches and, and groups are being compromised. I mean, we've got a lot of work ahead. But let me just tell you, this Abu Patel, and I don't know, do you guys, do you guys ever take breaks for commercials around here? Uh,
1: I, I We, we be, because your information is so important, we uh, uh, skip the bottom of the hour break, but let me uh, okay. l- let me give you your breath of rest or your voice of rest just for one second here, because I want to say this. That's not to say that, that the CIA did not weaponize uh, Islam right. at certain times. Uh, okay, however, you can't blame uh the Jews or or the CIA on the uh proclivity of the Muslims to uh to kill I just I wanted to say that but but uh I agree with yeah. you
3: I agree with you I mean we have some things going on with the CIA with some little groups here but to act like the CIA is orchestrating this whole huge gl- global caliphate is ridiculous see most of these guys couldn't orchestrate their way out of a wet paper bag
1: That's true Yeah yeah
3: you know this, this Abu Bakr. I noticed who the Muslim running the Interfaith Youth Corps that worked he worked with Obama and now has put this on 500 college universities. Do you know that he's a Rhodes Scholar? And you know why that's so interesting is that Bill Clinton was a Rhodes Scholar. I think George Stephanopoulos was a Rhodes Scholar. The reason that's so interesting is as I, as I write in my book, The Coming Religious Reich, at in, 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 in Oxford, at Oxford in the uh, late 1800s and early 1900s, there was a guy there by the name of John Ruskin. He died, I think, in 1919, and he had a swastika on his tomb. Now, that was before Hitler popularized it, because it's an occultic symbol. But John Ruskin taught two students, Cecil Rhodes and Sidney Webb. He taught many others, but he taught those two, I want to mention. And he taught them about the need for world government out of Europe. uh, A world government out of Europe. Well, Cecil Rhodes went on to be very wealthy through his diamond De Beers mine and rewrote his will four or five times, and said he wanted the money to go to send young people to Oxford to be trained in this worldview to become economists, teachers, politicians, uh, journalists, broadcasters, and the like, and uh, to, to use their positions to promote this idea of world government, globalism. And that was Cecil Rhodes. Well, Abu Battal, a Muslim who runs the Interfaith Youth Corps, is now using religion to do that. And remember, he said he was also greatly influenced by Saul Alinsky, the Marxist-Muslim idea. And another guy that was there was Sidney Webb. Sidney Webb and his wife Beatrice Webb, with others, went on to found the Fabian Society, which gave birth to the Labour Party, which today you have Tony Blair of the Labour Party running his Tony Blair Faith Foundation, working to bring the religions of the world together as one. So isn't that interesting that Abu Mattel... A Muslim and Rhodes Scholar is now doing exactly what you would think. Helping, I believe, to build a one-world religious system through, as he calls it, religious pluralism. All religions are equal. Now, I don't think that's really going to work out too well. And at the end of the day, the Muslims, I think, are going to try to be in charge. Other people are going to be try to be in charge. But the Bible tells us, if you you believe in the Bible, that there will be a one-world religious system, and it will create a world-dominant church called the Great Harlot, as I said earlier, Revelation 17, verse 1. So I find it very interesting when you start realizing who the people are. And don't forget that Carol Quigley wrote about this. He wrote about Cecil Rhodes and these guys. And they definitely wanted a world government out of Europe. Well, the Bible tells us in Daniel... Ezekiel, Revelation, all the evidence is there, we will end up with a Eurocentric world government. So part of me is really excited to be alive right now, to watch all this happening, but the other part of me is warning the church and warning Americans that the persecution that's coming will not only be at the hands of the neo-Marxists and the Muslims, but it'll be at the hand of the the mainline liberal churches, and even at the hand of so-called conservative Bible-believing Christians. So-called. I don't know if there are tares among the wheat, goats among the sheep. We'll let the Lord sort that out. But we had a self-described Christian and homeschool mom admit that she emailed a Muslim apologist overseas who's been writing about me. She emailed him to tell him what she thought of me and what she says some of her other religious friends think of me. And that Muslim overseas used it to write an article and say even so-called conservative Christians in America disagree with Brandon House and his friends exposing interfaith dialogue with James White. Now think about that. The Muslims are now using the emails from my self-described homeschool bomb Christian, so-called Christian homeschool mom to persecute, solve persecution, denigrate, ridicule me and other Christians taking a stand. Why would this supposed homeschool Christian mom do this? We have a Sharia hotline that's now been set up in Minneapolis to supposedly report people. You will be shocked when that day comes, when people you go to church with are turning you in. But believe me, I've seen the vile, disgusting insults uh, attacks on our ministry and me personally by people that I will look them up and they supposedly attend very conservative Bible churches, reformed Bible churches, reformed Baptist churches, work at conservative ministries. I don't think for one minute, I don't doubt for one minute, in my opinion, some of these people, if they had the chance to turn us over to the police in a police state, their vile, disgusting worldview and ideas would allow them to do that. And that's what I'm warning the church about. Be very careful who you trust going forward. Absolutely. It's
1: coming, and you got two minutes or about a minute and a one half minute. left. One minute yeah, left. So. Brandon,
2: with, with one minute we have left, I want to ask you this question, because uh, this is very relevant. What are you hearing about MS-13 gangs working with Islamic terrorists?
3: Well, our, some of our intelligence sources are telling us the MS-13 gangs are working with ISIS to bring them over and set them up here in the U.S., as well as ISIS, Possibly the Islamic Revolutionary Guard. Often called the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. That's the wrong name. It's the Islamic Revolutionary Guard. Uh, they're far bigger than ISIS. And there is a word that there are already, uh, Iranian and Islamic Revolutionary Guard special forces here in the U.S. They likely shot out the coolant system of a, uh, transmission subplant, uh, substation oh, in, uh, yeah. southern... Yeah.
2: yeah. Hey, uh, real yeah. quick, Brandon. Uh, but I don't believe that the uh, the ISIS and, and the Islamic terrorists uh, want anything to do with drug dealing. Would the purposes just be for chaos, or, or um,
3: well, no? There's work that they're making. No, they're helping to make money on the drug dealing now too. Right. They're helping. To, they're making forty five million to five million dollars a day on oil, drugs, kidnapping, ransom. So they're also, but they're also using the drug cartel and they're paying for some of their tunnels from Mexico into California, Mexico into Arizona, Mexico into Texas. They'll, they'll pay for their very elaborate and concrete structures, I mean, good structures, for running drugs, and they know you get to, to run arms through to bring arms into America and arm up these these mosques in America.
1: Okay. You yeah. are the man. Brandon Haas, Worldview Weekend. Thank you. Uh, you you blew through an hour. Incredible. We could go on for another six or seven hours. Thank, Thank you, you so guys. much for checking in. Thank you. All right. Folks, network break. We'll be back. Stay with us. but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG Chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP-proof. And it's environmentally friendly, it, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid. When other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to GreenInnovative.com. That's GreenInnovative.com.
4: You should have a minute then the survival stove in an MOK Precious Timber Precious Timber
2: And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman Report. If you joined us late, Brandon House was our guest weekendworldview.com, talking about, Oh sorry, thank you, Eric, Worldviewweekend.com talking about the interfaith dialogue and the uh tentacles of the muslim brotherhood involved in all that um we got a a slight schedule change we were supposed to have pam geller come on today in our number two she had a scheduling conflict she's in transit um so when we'll get her rescheduled to come back on it was just uh i guess the traveling took a little yeah, more she, time she'd be
1: talking to us from an airport which we didn't want to do
2: so what we did in instead is uh because of some of the interesting news today, apparently, uh, we talked about this a little bit on The Daily Show earlier, but there is a story about uh, Fox News, Rod Wheeler, the private investigator for the Rich family in the Seth Rich murder, and a lawsuit, which is very uh, confusing and convoluted, and Peter Chowk is going to come on to yes. explain this uh, with us at 8.30, Super important. because there's a claim well, that, that the, they're trying to say that the president... Uh, you know, basically fabricated this story um, to push the news agenda and narrative away from the Russia investigation. NPR did this huge story on this. But what's really messed up is w- Rod Wheeler saying he was misrepresented, misquoted by saying Seth uh, Seth Rich had connections and emailed the WikiLeaks when he, in fact, in his own words, said this in multiple interviews on video. But he's saying he's being misquoted, and there's a lot more to the story.
1: A lot more, and please, Peter, Peter Chalka is knows. I mean, he's been on top of this. Uh, he never sleeps. This guy is is, is uh, an amazing repository of facts. Um, uh, it, and he knows a lot more than he will tell. But just make sure make sure we pay attention to this. By the way, you're talking about Rod Wheeler and and um, how that all. Is playing out. Ben Rhodes, former Obama aide Ben Rhodes, now a person of interest in the unmasking investigation. This, according to Circuit News, now how this—the the reason that this should pique everyone's interest. Ben Rhodes, you, you got to go back, and you have to know the history. You have to follow the people involved in Obama's regime and and how it evolved from. From the early days until the last day, until he you know handed the keys to the White House to Donald Trump, uh, Ben Rhodes now a person of interest in unmasking investigation. Pay attention to this story. Pay very. It's circa news Sarah Carter came out with this. Pay very close attention to this story. I tweeted this out, retweeted this. I should say, on my uh, my personal Twitter account, the Hagman Report. Pay attention. Important. Because, hey, this goes back to the the um, Obama birth certificate, actually. Remember remember when we had um, Mike Zillow on and Carl Gallups? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Remember when we had others on and the forger? No one would name who the forger of this document was. We know who it is, but we're not going to name it. All right? Name it. Anyway, I'm going to stop there. I'm just going to stop that now. Read between. Just. I'm going to stop it right there. Ben Rhodes, former aide. Ben Rhodes, now a person of interest in unmasking investigation. Huh. Hmm. I think we need to take a really hard look at this. Because, of course, his brother, CBS News. Um who? Oh, what's his first name Uh Rhodes' first name CBS I don't know Okay Somebody help me out with this I don't know Bill No Mark Yeah, <laughs> We're going to go through the whole <laughs> thing yep. The first name yep. <laughs> Well You know He joins He joins uh, Ben Rhodes joins a number of other people Including but not limited to Samantha Power Uh Susan Rice John Brennan Um they all have been named in House, the House Intelligence Committee their investigation into uh, the unmasking of Americans. And, and to do so is extremely, it's not cool people, it ain't cool. Uh, this is extremely dangerous and Obama set this up. And don't forget how Obama allowed this to not just progress but to expand. Before he walked out the door, he passed some he, he broadened the unmasking process this to, to, this would take a lot more than a half hour to really explain but but to be concise, what this did it, de- it um, how can I best describe it? it would have decriminalized what would have otherwise been criminal. A tactic to use to undermine Donald Trump's transition and to use that as legal fodder the unmasking as legal fodder where uh to, to kind of give it would be like tilting the playing field on a football field, tilting that thirty degrees against the opposing team all right so they're always running uphill. Or throwing a speed... Or whatever. You get the idea. This is what that unmasking process did. In fact, I'm, I'm going to be getting uh, into this tomorrow, I think in my morning show, because this is so important. Don't, don't skim over this. This is critical. If Ben Rhodes is involved in this, we know Obama is. <laughs> but see, where is... And, and Joe, I'll ask you this question, and, and Where in the hell is Jeff Sessions in this? I want to know where... uh, Here's my problem. You've got Hillary Clinton. You've got the Clinton Foundation. You've got all of these individuals and groups that are out there that are continually giving Donald Trump a hard time. They could be taken out, neutralized. When I say taken out, I'm talking about legally challenged through the Department of Justice, and they're not. And I'm getting damn frustrated by, by 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 people saying, "Well, you know, they're they're working behind the scenes," and it's it's a, no, they're not, they're not working at all. All right. So what we need to do, and, and I think that this is imperative, every Obama holdover that is still in office, Donald Trump, have him, have him form a single file to the West Wing. Line them up single file, one by one. In fact, put a TV camera behind you, or, you know, the three-camera arrangement. You're fired. You're fired. I mean, and it'd be a great reality show. You're fired. You're fired. Let's do it. And put it on prime time. These yeah, Obama holdouts.
2: There does need to be more action taken against the number of people uh, still serving inside the political administration and otherwise, you know, starting from the Hillary Clinton email scandal to her foundation fraud, to the rigging of the primaries to take it away from Bernie Sanders, all these are criminal offenses that are still actionable, and the evidence is out there for for anyone to find. And I, then I've from never there, seen you it go through so hard. the DNC. You, I mean, there are so Debbie many... Debbie Wasserman Schultz. There are so <sighs> many people that. The evidence is all out in the open for the law enforcement agencies to gather and put the cases together. But obviously something, some power, some authority is telling them to stand down. Obviously there are powers that work here that we are not seeing, or these people just, it's just a big joke or a game to them.
1: I don't think it's a joke or a game. I I think that there's two camps here. I think that there's the the camp that are actively attempting to take Donald Trump, delegitimize his presidency, and then kill the presidency itself because you have to do that when you want to establish a third world banana republic, which is their uh, which is their step in order to to create this this world utopian to hell, and um, this one world government. Of course, the globalist government that they're going for, and. That's what's necessary to take place. But if you watch and see, that's why people, uh, when I, when I talk on my morning program, when I talk on this program about, for example, Fox News and the media and say, well, people say, well, what's the big deal? They're part of the corporate establishment media. Yeah, they're the final, uh, linchpin or the, they're the final link in this chain. Uh, or the, they're the final beachhead, I guess, in in the uh, corporate media that has any semblance of of conservative Christian conservative values. Now it's important to take that and erase that. The people that involved in that are doing just that. The people at Fox News, um, and I'm not going to get into this, but but there's 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 a war against people like Sean Hannity. And when you see on Twitter account, when you see people attack Sean Hannity by making these outrageous, ludicrous statements for 15 years, uh, you know, hence, um, by these, in my personal opinion, these absurd uh, psycho uh, people, okay? Now, that's my opinion, so, you know, so th- those of you who are typing, transcribing this, make sure... That you know, this is my personal opinion. They're psychotic. They're they're sociopathic. They're struggling for relevance. They're nothing. They know they're nothing. They know that they're never going to be anything. So they're they're going to take and and try to make a name for themselves by bring down bring down people like Sean Hannity. Okay, again, opinion. That's my opinion. But see, when you see people like that, now, now those people are just are just pathetic in my view, just pathetic. But then you've got the other side. Who are working and 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 they're not as they're not as sociopathic and psychopathic well, maybe they are, but at least not as outwardly and 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 they're going after people like Sean Hannity, but they're doing it in a different way. you see they're doing it in a more effective way, like you recall that that leak that came out uh Sean Hannity and Bill shine with president uh, uh Donald Trump, where did that leak come from? oh. See that's different than making some wild, crazy, ludicrous accusation that I, I referenced earlier. That's much different, and that's much more dangerous. And those are the people, in my view, those are the people that are the uh, attached to the Obamas and the Clintons, and those are the people that have that 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 uh, uh, that that and the ability, much more so than the previous, the former, these people have the ability to take, uh, and the power, to take down uh, people like Sean Hannity, the last, the last real true conservative, at a, at a network that's changing from a conservative uh, beachfront, beachhold, to a, to join the progressive uh, media alliance, if you will and this is why this is so important just you compare this to what Brandon House said with respect to uh how this islam uh, this islamic uh, uh lie has infiltrated the conservative christian movement and has even duped some of the the most intellectual um conservatives and christians and 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 you can see this this battle forming and the sides forming and you can best tell, I think, with respect to that, how vicious they are. The more vicious they are, the more uh, blasphemous they are. You know, not too long ago, I had uh, some, in my view, personal idiot that put uh, Steve Quayle in my picture on a, on this the uh, face on Jesus. Uh, Steve Quayle was Jesus, and I was, I don't know who I was. I mean, w- what a pot's. What a, what a, what a, in my personal opinion, what a moron. What an idiot. In order to make a point about his stellar Christianity. Okay? I still have the picture. I, I, it's, are you serious? But this is, in my view, again, this is my personal opinion. That, I, I, that person is, is, you know, I, I scrape, I scrape better stuff off the bottom of my shoe when I walk my dog than that individual. And and, and that's that's my, my opinion. That's, that's how the way you feel. Really feel. Yeah. Well that's how I really feel. But, but, but you see, this is what we're going to be running into in the larger sense. This is what we're going to be running into in in, in all of us. You listening out there, standing up for Christianity, listening and saying, you know what? You're being deceived. Like Brandon House says, you're being deceived.
0: You know what they'll do to you?
1: Yeah, they'll call that Sharia hotline or the whatever hotline and say, hey, uh, you know, uh, Joe Smith at uh, 1025 Main Street, he's talking smack about Muslims. This, This is where it's going. And then all of a sudden you'll get served papers and then you'll have to defend yourself and you'll file bankruptcy because, you know, you see, this is how it's going. Or acquiesce. It's not the warfare that you think. Everyone's looking for this big, visible, overt. It makes sense. No, this is just this. The way this is going, it's it's not the way you think. These people are doing this in a way that um, uh, it's diabolical. It really is diabolical. But anyway, I got off on a rant there. I didn't, shouldn't have perhaps, but. Uh, I don't care because I, I, I'll get I'll get I'll get written about now in blogs and and such uh, about uh, about this and you know just one more one more fight to fight against the uh, against the people who uh, who are attempting to take us down and I want to th- and by the way I want to thank you everyone for standing by us and thank you for your your trust in us and as you as we bring you guests like Brandon House and and, and and peter chowka and and others and we we attempt to bring the truth to you i want to thank you for standing by us and i want to thank you for your support without your financial support and, and i'll tell you one thing right now um i'm gonna flat out and say this i'm gonna flat out and say this if there's ever a time that we could use your financial support it's now it really is uh we are we are doing our best to uh to, to keep this ship afloat you know we have we have we are expanding at, at a rate we are pacing our supply lines and but but we're reaching more people and we're getting more and more positive response and and we're seeing this this uh, uh we're getting people saying thanks for bringing pastor langford in our lives thanks for bringing um uh brandon house thanks for bringing all these people but but we need that supply and i if you i'm just gonna just gonna say look if you if you if you feel like you could support this show financially, we would really appreciate it right now. And if you have, we thank you immensely. Thank you so much. But um, our, uh you can either do it via mail or via PayPal on our uh, site. It's on hagmanreport.com. But the fight is real, and we will see, I think, in our lifetime, in my lifetime, I do believe we're going to see Everything that Brandon House talked about really takes shape, and I think that it wouldn't that be something. How many how many conservatives do you think would cheer Joe if um, the United Nations was moved out of the United States to Iraq? How many people would want would cheer? How many conservatives would say, "Yeah, we're getting rid of the United Nations. We're get them out of get them out of the United get the United Nations out 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 of New York City. Use that space. Most would cheer, but place it in fifty eight miles south of Baghdad. They cheer because it's out of the United States, but not necessarily see the long view of what the Bible says. Right? Am I right? Or it, it, hey, it doesn't. It, it, but but how many real Christian conservatives would cheer about about just that? I I would look. I would be happy with that removal of the United Nations out of the United States. Yes, absolutely. But I also at the same time. I wouldn't stop there. I would realize what is taking place through the lens of scripture, that what is being set up through this consortium of nations and this push toward this one-world government via this this this, this uh, false religion, this uh, coexist false religion that's take, that's being established, and that's what I think is the danger. If you got nothing else out of what Brandon House said, that I, that's I, I truly believe is the danger, and we have to warn. Education is the key. To educate others is the key and not rant like i did not not throw a hissy fit but educate explain and that's really to me that that's key because the more people we can reach and say okay you might think that this is a great idea and and it is a great idea to get this off our, our shores off our land but look at the bigger picture look at the wider picture and see what's taking place what comes next warn your children educate your children uh, this is what we must do, and with every case that we see in the media, uh, make sure we look through those cases. It doesn't matter what the what the subject matter is. We're going to be talking to Peter Barry at, at the bottom of the hour, but cases like Rod Wheeler, the first thing you see NPR, shock claim Rod Wheeler, arm twisted into into uh, saying what or didn't say what he you know. It, Whatever that that case might be, you've got to dissect the news. And uh, thank goodness for Peter because he he sent he sent us some he sent the uh, the list of of, uh, of audio and video files that really yeah. that really knocked the wind out of Rod Wheeler's case in my view.
2: Yeah, it's uh it's it's very interesting and it's going to be very interesting to to hear what um, he has to say on this because there's a lot of unanswered questions there's something going on with Wheeler uh, I believe from what I read this morning he's also, it's not only just this article uh, pertaining to Seth Rich that he has a problem with, he has a problem with Fox News and he's suing them for discrimination because he claims that he has been a Fox News contributor for 11 years that he's not receiving the same amount of airtime. As his white counterparts, so there's it's it's more than just this article. And if I had to guess, uh, my my guess would be that this is um, some kind of publicity stunt, or further attempt to discredit the investigation into Seth Rich. uh, At the same time, while trying, while Wheeler trying to uh, add fuel to the fire of his of his discrimination lawsuit. Um, because there's just a few things about the story that don't sit right with me. One, why would the president sit down and, and and care and try to? I mean, if he wanted to create a story to take the news cycle off the Russian narrative, he could have done so in a million different ways that had nothing to do with with Seth Rich. I don't know, I don't see what the um, what the gain for him to sit down and conspire to create a fake news story. Uh, what benefit that would bring him? At all. So that makes no sense to me, other than the fact that maybe he read it before it came out and said, okay, you know, this is interesting. I can see that. But are you talking about the. uh, Well, Wheeler's claiming that the president worked with Fox News to create the story to get the detention off the Russian narrative and to bring the attention back to the DNC. But you know the, the truth of that was already. But you've got a, you've you've got a body. I mean, you've got right. a dead body
1: on one hand, and and, and a uh, a narrative on another hand. I mean, it just doesn't make
2: it. I, I see where... And, where, where, and where the yeah. discrimination lawsuit. You know uh, that yeah. Wheeler's bringing against Fox yeah. is very convenient now that he's trying to lump this other claim in there. And again, as, as Peter Chao right? said even if he was coerced into saying the things he did, he still was on TV saying them. There wasn't a gun being held to his head. Um, And he's the one that confirmed this information on a number of different interviews. So for him to try to walk this back and say he was misquoted and never said these things, well, the videos are already out there of him saying these things. So this story, as it did this morning, really didn't make a lot of sense to me.
1: Uh, And and thank you for saying that, because when I read the NPR article and and reread it, and try to make heads or tails out, out of it. I, I mean, I know what it's saying, but it just doesn't make. You're right; it doesn't. It makes no sense. And then, especially in the context of the Imran Abi Jamal Omar Awan Hina Alvi and uh, um, uh, Natalia Sova in that, and Debbie Wasserman Schultz. In, in other words, the Awan brothers and, and company with uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz in that in that context with, with Seth Rich. Uh, there's, there's too many moving parts. I think where Rod Wheeler would attempt to extricate himself from what he said, it almost looks like there's. You're you're right. I would I would be looking at maybe some financial gain from a lawsuit filed, something like that. You know, I, there's something wrong with this, and I don't believe. Um, And in retrospect, when you look at what Fox News did by pulling the story, I can see that taking place. Remember when Fox News
2: pulled that, pulled the, uh, Southridge? And I think they did that because of unconfirmed sources from the FBI that Wheeler was quoting. But, well, no, let me, let me
1: adjust that a tad. I think they did that seeing where this was going. Okay. Seeing, okay, they, wait a second. He is now meaning Wheeler is now making some statements that are, as he's changing his his whole tune, um, there's something going on here, so we just better kind of, we better protect ourselves and pull that back. So I I don't think it was, I think it was more of a defensive maneuver, not against what would be not true, but what would be uh, a potential, Exacerbation of an anticipated lawsuit by Rod Wheeler, that they knew about, but the general population may maybe didn't, and that's the, the discrimination case. Well, I, I'm not sure of the timing of that, but but I'm sure that figures prominently into this because no one wants to do something, especially if you've got a, a and, and Fox does have a huge list of huge attorney, you know, uh, they've got attorneys everywhere. So the attorney's probably in out of an abundance of caution will say, Well we'll, we'll go ahead and pull this and uh and then everyone's making this big on, on the on the left saying, Well see, they pulled it now because it's not true. Well, no wait. It, that's not necessarily the reason why they pulled it. And I think assumptions were made. Speculation was made. And um and then people ran with that and I think that that's that's a so but Peter Chuck is gonna, gonna be with us to make some sense of this. Uh, here at the bottom of the hour, and I think it's—I uh, think it's so important because this, to me, you unravel the—you the, unravel the Rich homicide. And one might say, well, even at the simplest sense, it looks like a botched robbery because they didn't execute Seth Rich right there on
2: the sidewalk. Well, as I said on the show yeah. earlier today, it's—if uh, anything, it—it it looks like uh, some kind of altercation from maybe you know somebody walking down the street and giving the wrong look more so than a box robbery um, but the odds and but the
1: odds the odds of this and then combine you're right you' that's true but but when you combine everything else the odds are just astronomical we're gonna be back with Peter Chauka right after this network break stay with us
6: We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies Kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Drummies Kit at www.ChangeListinWoods.com. Your life may depend on it.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This edition of the Hagman Report. Peter Chowka is going to be our guest coming up here very shortly. He's uh, a man that um, I've really grown to respect. He's got, he knows a lot more than he's he he can tell. Um, In many cases, he's got. uh, I mean, look, he he is. He's really been a blessing to our program, blessing in terms of information, and um, he's a writer. These pieces are featured at American Thinker, of course. Hagman report. He uh, he's got a lot of knowledge. The guy, the guys like an Energizer Rabbit, man. He just goes and goes and goes. Um. So I, I really appreciate his work in the battle for our republic. And let me know when he's give me a thumbs up when he's ready. And uh okay, all right. Eric the Tech is uh, he's working on that, but. But I meant what I said earlier uh, about the uh, folks. You know, we are um, we are in a uh, I don't want to say a, a, a money bomb situation right now, but we are we are atten- we are expanding. You can see what we're doing. John is coming from from the West Coast. He's going to be re- uh, repositioned here, so we can work out of one office. Um, that takes takes a lot of. I mean, the, the logistics behind that is just you know blow it's your enormous. mind. Enormous, yeah. Yeah, when, when you when you when you all the little things that you think you you, you know it's. Last time I moved, I moved uh, about a block away, right, and uh, uh, that was that was rough. <laughs> but when you're talking about three thousand miles, that's uh, wow. All your you stuff. Know, hey, I forgot my uh, whatever. Well, you just can't go back and get it yeah and then you know the, the tractor trailer and, and this, oh my goodness you know. so uh but see that will give us the edge and and this is where we're headed and it to kind of give you a wide angle lens of where we're headed we do expect and and I think Joe I think you probably and I don't know if you've talked to I, I'm I'm about two episodes behind in your program so I don't, I don't I don't know but I think where we're headed as a group as the Hagman report is we will be possibly one of the last conservative Christian along with Brandon House of course and some others groups that will be on the front lines of the fight that we're fighting and our detractors will become much more refined right now there are a bunch of putzes the majority of them I use that word that, that's, that, that's my pet word now putz but so ninety ninety eight point five percent have been just un, un unrefined. The one point five percent have been very refined, and very costly, very damaging, very incredibly uh, time consuming. Lawyer, you know, get lawyers involved because Doug said something and hurt someone's feelings. So now, uh, you know, now it's ten thousand dollars, you know, to, to 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 get lawyers involved because. Some Christian who says they're Christian, you know, another, you know, it, it just goes on and on. So, but I think at the end of the day, when you pull the lenses back and you take a look at the landscape, I think what, what, what's going to end up happening here is the fight is going to be taken. The battle is not going to be waged in the uh, on the big battlefields. So there are going to be smaller battles in the town square, but even worse inside the home inside the churches inside the assembly halls the, these are where the battles are going to take place and the and the more incisive uh battles you know I, I met a group of people i haven't seen in a number of years uh here not too long ago and it's amazing it's just amazing to see the sides taken um uh, I, I don't want to give too too much of this away, but it's just amazing to see, to me anyway. When you talk with people, ten years ago, Joe, I think you could talk to somebody about politics or religion. You know, you know how your mom used to say, "Oh, don't talk politics or religion at the table." Mm-hmm. Okay, no. I think when you talk about politics or religion, ten years ago, you could say things. Today, you—if
2: you—if you dare say things, you may never talk to that family member again. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Seriously. Know, stories in the news. There was just a story recently about another couple who got divorced because of their opposing oh, yeah. views about Donald oh, yeah. Trump. And it's crazy to see that. Uh, and that might be. Uh, that
1: might be Peter. Get, somebody. Get the, the, the bad phone.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, that, that, that's. But yeah, we will. Um, ben Rhodes, line one. We'll get we'll get Peter lined up here, and, and oh, no, it's our on. attorneys on line one. I wonder what they, <laughs> wonder what they want. <laughs> just informing you of another lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. Well, Hey, where, just filed. where, where,
0: where are
1: you where are you going to be tomorrow? <laughs> there's a process server? Uh, no, he's just delivered. Uh, any more. I'll just give you the address of our attorney. Deliver it to them, um, and they'll tell me how bad it is.
2: I'm serious, folks. serious. All right, well, let's uh, it do happens. this. Yeah, let's do this. I'm going I'm to go try to get Peter on the horn.
1: Are, are you really? Uh, use a phone instead. Don't use a horn. Use a phone. <laughs> did, you see, did you see that? <laughs> Those people listening by Blog Talk or uh, Global Star think we're nuts. W- w- what you saw was, <laughs> Joe trying to, uh, crawl under the camera, of course. You know, he can't, he can't bend down that far. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get this working. But the, the, all of this is important. And I think when, we, again, uh, I'm looking at the big picture here. And, uh, I, I, I worry about my children. I worry about my grandchildren. And I worry about you. The, I worry about the younger population. When I look at my daughter, Jackie, who works for us, at, at her young age of 20 something. How old is Jackie? 25? five. Twenty-five. All right. No, don't, don't don't tell me that. That's a sad thing. That's right. Twenty-six this month. Um no don't don't no, don't say that to me. Don't don't don't. Because I didn't know her exact age. It happens. There you go. See he walked walked by the camera without even trying. But when I look at her, it's gonna be in her lifetime for sure. Mine perhaps but hers, for sure, where all of this is going to take place, and, and and if you don't have a daughter, or if you don't have an offspring, and if well, if you do, and you look at them, and 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 the love that's in your heart, and if you're not concerned, then there's something to me. There's something very wrong with you. Um, that's just my view. There's something very wrong because you're you're being selfish. Oh, I won't be here to see that. Well, what about your children? And even if you don't have children, what about, look at your neighbor's child or your brother's or sister's child. Look at their eyes, their sweet eyes. Watch them play on the playground. Look at the people walking their dogs at the park or whatever. And you see this, and and, and you know what's coming. It's it's, it's you, you know what's coming, and they don't. I'm being very philosophical here, aren't I? But, but to me, we could have had a discussion a hundred years ago, or even ten years ago. But I'm sure discussions like this were more prevalent a hundred years ago. If you think about it, even without the, um, even I think they were more prevalent a hundred years ago discussions like this, especially around World War Two. Around the time of the bombing of you know at the end of World War two, I think families had these discussions, different contexts, but same but same end result, if you think about this, and you'll have to go back and listen because people are saying, "Doug, you're not making sense, you're just battling not no, just think about it. All of what we're talking about here at the end and the final analysis is our future. In how things are going to turn out. We know how we know how things will turn out. We know that we're going to win as Christians. We know that we'll we prevail, I should say, not win. That has a negative connotation in a sense, but we know we're going to prevail as Christians. We know where we're headed. We know where we're going. But we don't want to see, certainly, our children suffer or their children suffer. I, at least I don't. Through a system of oppression that is coming that no one can see and other people are embracing. You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That to me. And if we're not on top of that, while we do our job, while we work at the die-cast shop, while we um, deliver the bread, while we drive the truck over the road, while we patrol the streets, while we do all of our chores at home, work in the garden if we don't understand and don't care and don't bring the conversation back to this i think we are doing ourselves and our children a disservice because again god is the center the center of all this he will take care of us we have to have faith in him but but you still have to have that conversation you still have to be we're still mortal beings walking on this earth and I'm no pastor I I don't I don't claim to be I'm no minister I'm not heck I'm not even a religious quote guy okay but I do believe in the God of the Bible and I do believe what the Bible says is true and I do believe in in good versus evil that we're seeing and I see it ramping up And, uh, and and I see that at the end of the day and in the final analysis, this is what it's all about. The discussions have to be had. And if you are led astray or your children are led astray, it's not going to be pretty. And we have to avoid that at all costs. And I hope that message resonated with someone out there, at least one person. Um, don't be afraid. If you're a guy like me, you don't consider yourself religious, But you do believe in the God of the Bible. You're not a pastor. You're not a minister. You don't talk about this all the time with your friends. If you don't believe it, I mean, if you're that kind of a guy, um, I'm just going to tell you right now, have the conversation because it's going to benefit your children. It's going to benefit even your neighbor. And if they shut you down, that's, that's, that's up to them, but it's up to us to get the message across, get the truth across. And that's why we fight so hard every day. Do you think, and honestly, for a three-hour show and then two one-hour shows, we're tired. Believe me, we, we're tired. Do you think that this is what we want to do? Do you think that we do this, you know, I, I shouldn't say that. It's it, it becomes cumbersome and burdensome, but we do it because we understand the stakes, I hope that makes sense. And that's speaking from the heart. We are waiting on uh on Peter Berichoka and I think it's on it might be on the satellite's uh satellite end, I'm not sure, but we're waiting on that.
2: Yeah, so I don't know. Time uh, I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna get a chance to to get him on uh I, hope I know so. Todd's working on it. But um we uh talked briefly just before the show. Thought we had it worked out, but we, uh, if not, we can always try again on another day as, um, things happen, um, uh, you know, things do happen that are mm-hmm. out of your control and you can't really do much about it. Um, I don't know how many people saw this. I'm gonna go to Hagman Report. Um, we were talking about Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the, uh, yeah. Awan Brothers. Well, there was an interesting story, uh, two interesting stories. One, uh, really, kind of not important, but I want to bring it up because somebody did email um, this to me, and I had already seen it, but it didn't really make much sense to me. The, the day the Steve Scalise shooting happened, which was maybe five weeks ago, tomorrow, six weeks ago, tomorrow. Isn't it amazing how quickly time has gone? Yeah, what, what was that? Was that in May or was it? You that... know, I, I don't, I don't know. Okay, well, I'm looking for this article right now because, interestingly enough. This came across um, one of the newswires, and I saw this earlier. And then I got an email about it uh, from a listener. Apparently, when the shooting happened in Alexandria, Virginia, the police okay oh. were sent to Nancy Pelosi. The capital police the were sent to the, Nancy Pelosi's house instead of to where? Okay, Capitol police went to Nancy Pelosi's house instead of Steve Scalise's shooting. This is from downtrend.com from today. Um, and I guess since we have Peter on, I don't want to take time. Yeah, let's not take his up his time. But, that's, but we'll get into this more yeah, later okay. or tomorrow. All right. Peter Berry-Chaoca,
1: thank you so much for joining us on such short notice. But I think I think you have your fingers on the pulse of something that's really important. And uh, uh, when I saw what you sent, oh, my goodness, we need to get the story out. Peter, thank you for joining
6: us. Well, thank you, Doug. Thank you, Joe. I'm sorry the video Skype didn't work out, but um, we're back to the past here with a landline. Um, yes, I awakened this morning to see this uh, mind-boggling news involving Rod Wheeler, the DC former D.C. Metropolitan Police detective, who, by the way, was apparently let go from the force in 1995 when he tested positive on a marijuana test. But for the past 12 years, he's been a Fox News paid consultant on crime issues and has always seemed to do a really excellent job and has been used quite a bit on camera on the channel. And as we know, on uh, May 15th this year, he emerged uh, in a, a, a growing story about the Seth Rich case, initially locally on Fox 5 D.C., which did a story about him being the investigator hired by the relatives of Seth Rich to look into the case because it had had become a cold case with the D.C. police. They just didn't seem to be doing anything visibly to try to solve the murder of Seth Rich, which took place on June 10th of last year. And uh, so the story went local, and the next day it went national, largely thanks to Fox News, which uh, employed uh, Mr. Wheeler, Detective Wheeler, former Detective Wheeler, so he appeared on several Fox News programs that day, May 16th this year, most notably on Sean Hannity's program at 10 p.m. Eastern that night. And in in his own words, both locally, Fox 5 in D.C., and on Fox News National, he said some very intriguing things, namely that there were sources at either the FBI or the local police who were indicating that there was more here than meets the eye. Uh, there were basically whistleblowers waiting to be heard. There was evidence waiting to be shown, and he was going to help to break this story. Well, uh, of course, the mainstream media was skeptical. Fox News remained on the story for a few days, and then one week later, Fox News National retracted their initial story, which also appeared on their website on May 16th, I believe it was, and they just disappeared that story without much further comment. However, the local fox washington d c story remained online as it uh, has been to this day there there's actually quite an information trail, and what I think I will do before the day is out is do a short article and post it at the Hagman report, which will have links to some of this primary source material because I also have a link to the uh, i mean what what blew this story open this morning was uh, Rod Wheeler filed uh, a criminal complaint a lawsuit in I believe federal court in New York uh, alleging that Fox News had uh, ruined his reputation had misquoted him or or created fake news and there was also a racial uh, component he claimed that he was had been discriminated against in his long career at Fox by not Uh, being allowed to advance or being made a uh, full-time contributor or whatever. And apparently his attorney in this case is the one who's also representing other African-American employees of Fox News, about 12 of them at last count, including Kelly Wright, the most visible on-air personality, who are alleging racial discrimination. So that's a different part of the 33-page criminal uh, filing, uh, court filing this morning. So it's a really complicated d- and but, uh, convoluted uh, d- story to say the least.
1: Yeah, and Peter, that's different, but part, uh, in my view, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you when you are attempting to take down an organization, that's just not one battlefront you open, you open multiple battlefronts. So is that kind of what we're seeing in a way?
6: Not only that, Doug, but this entire story is part of a much larger context now you and i have been comparing notes on what's really going on at the fox news channel for a couple of months now and we're not quite ready to go with the information which we're developing which if it develops like it looks like it's developing i think will be a blockbuster and that is what's really going on with fox news who are the enemies are what we know some of the enemies pretty much the entire mainstream media But are there enemies within? Now, I've already reported in some of my reporting, and it was confirmed by your source a while back, that there are enemies within at probably some of the highest levels of Fox News, that is, enemies of the true conservative hosts and point of view at Fox News. And there's more evidence of that emerging day by day here. And it's actually, I think, Intertwined with this story that we're talking about right now. I mean, this is a piece, this Rod Wheeler story today involving the Seth Rich case and uh, whatever else is going on there is is part is a, it's a puzzle piece of a much larger puzzle. And as these individual pieces become clearer and we nail them down, we are gradually seeing the clear picture of the big puzzle. So that's where we're going with this. But you know, I, I want to refer briefly to uh, an event I believe you mentioned earlier. That was the private dinner that took place at the White House last Wednesday evening involving Sean Hannity, Bill Shine, who was the former president of Fox News after his mentor Roger Ailes was fired exactly a year ago this week, and Bill Shine was fired three months ago now. So Shine was at the dinner with the president of the United States and Melania Trump and Anthony Scaramucci. Now this dinner was off the record until it's it was leaked to Ryan Lizza of the New Yorker who tweeted about it before the night was over Wednesday night. That led to Scaramucci's phone call to Ryan Lizza in which Lizza quoted Scaramucci who le- alleges that he thought he was off the record but Lizza had him on the record, and all hell broke loose with the obscenities that were spoken and quoted, and that directly or indirectly led to Scaramuzzi's uh, ouster just yesterday from his role as Director of Communications at the White House after 10 days in that position. Meanwhile, it was reported by Variety today, and and we, I think, theorized this anyway, or right? I certainly did when I saw that Shine was on the guest list last Wednesday at the White House that would Bill Shine, in fact, be offered a job at the uh, Trump White House, and this is what Variety has reported uh, late today, that Shine may be offered a job probably as the new communications director of the White House, so wouldn't that be interesting? So the uh, the revolving door or the uh musical chairs are going on there but again this is another piece of the puzzle and who are the enemies trying to take this whole apparatus down of course starting with the president of the united states but how do they do that they work first at the people who support him or work for him or advise him or report on him and that means fox news because the fox news channel is the only mainstream news outlet that does anything like fair and objective reporting part or much of the day about these issues of our times what president trump is doing the russia alleged collusion story and everything else so if uh... if the enemies the adversaries of president trump are out there can take down or neuter or neutralize fox news by further impairing its schedule by perhaps uh, rearranging that schedule so some familiar conservative voices are no longer there this coming fall. And of course, the leading one is Sean Hannity, who's hanging on there, and also Tucker Carlson, also on in prime time, The Fox Morning Show, Fox and Friends, certainly not including people like Shep Smith or others who are probably lying in wait for more prominent roles. Ebony Williams would be another one. It seems like she's being Groomed, perhaps for a primetime role. So God only knows what will, will come out of all of this, but I think uh, we have to really keep a, an eye on it, those of us who are into following uh, uh, fair and objective reporting wherever it does occur. And, of course, most of it does occur now online. But this is the last source that's left. Now, Rod Wheeler, in the minute or two we have left here, let me just uh, speculate a bit here. I think Rod Wheeler is probably at this point caught between a rock and a hard place. He got involved in this story, and it was hell to pay. It was a lose-lose situation. He saw his career crumbling. Fox News is no longer putting him uh, on camera. His consulting business was probably drying up. And meanwhile, I'm sure, in my opinion, pressure was being brought to bear on him or anyone who would find himself in that position of trying to Speak some truth to power about the Seth Rich case here. So, however, you want to describe it, he either backtracked, he started, uh, you know, reconfiguring what he had said, but a lot is on the record, including uh, a, a half hour or so conversation that he had with uh, Big League Politics website, and I will link to that as well when I write about this later. But it's uh, it's a can of worms, and the story is just beginning today. And I will probably be writing about it in the days ahead, and speaking about it when I have an opportunity. But I think uh, I think it's going to be a significant story if it breaks big. If the if the mainstream media keeps on with the story, if it has legs, as it certainly has had today with CNN and other outlets, then it could be a big deal. But even if not, it's going to shed a lot of light, in my opinion on the kind of investigations that we do that is looking for the real truth behind the mirage, behind the smoke and mirrors here because already in in Rod Wheeler's uh, legal filing today, there's uh, there's a lot of new information in that 33 page filing even though a lot of it is not properly referenced or sourced but there are some things in there that I've read for the first time so it's really uh, grounds for further research in my opinion and I'm really uh, looking forward to finding But there there's there's multiple agendas at work here There's money, there's reputation There's power There's uh, positioning On the part of the, the Democrats And the left and the mainstream media And it will be really interesting To see where this goes And just to wrap it up with a bow here well, well, those, I, I, they, uh,
1: Peter, Peter, hold on one second here For the first time in our broadcasting history I ask that the top of the hour break be withheld Uh, I'm going to give you uh, to to another 12 minutes, uh, and then we'll bring our next guest on uh, 10 minutes late. Okay, but because this is breaking news, this is important news, and people need to see exactly what how this fits in. Because when they fully understand what you're saying, the light bulb should go off, Peter. So I'm going to shut up. Give you another 10, 11 minutes here, unhindered time, because this is. Doug, thank
6: you for your generosity, but I want to point out as well that I feel like this is a joint enterprise since we first got in touch about two months ago, we've you and I have been comparing notes on a regular basis on what we are discerning about what's going on, not only with Fox News in its present and future course, but with a lot of other things because we're looking at the holistic picture here, what's going on in our times, the media is a central part of it and Fox News for whatever reason is right on the tip of the spear now and I mean we've seen ch- profound changes there in the last year and we may have not we may not have seen the last changes yet so you know I, I think we're going forward together here and not to oversell what we are doing but uh, I mean quite frankly I think the information that we are developing much of which we cannot go with yet because it hasn't been totally verified and we're not quite ready to go with it yet, but we will be, I think, fairly soon, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. And I really think we have an exclusive on it. I mean, I, and I know you do this too, we read everything we can find, listen to everything we can find, watch everything we can find, covering these issues, and I don't see anything being developed on what is the future of Fox News. I, I mean, we ain't seen nothing yet, you know. We have information we're developing that there could be major, major changes in the primetime schedule of Fox News coming up uh, in a very short span of time here, and that can that can change everything. And and this again to return to the Rod Wheeler story today on the front burner. This story is a part of that puzzle. That's why we're putting a very clear focus on it right now because as it pans out as we learn more about it, as we follow the leads that this story is opening up, you know, our awareness of the bigger picture is only going to be enhanced. I mean, the Seth Rich case, since that terrible tragedy happened uh last June when when Seth Rich, twenty seven year old uh man, employee of the Democratic National Committee in, in the IT department there, when he was Brutally murdered, shot in the back, I believe twice, and died uh, either on his way to or shortly after he arrived at the hospital. I mean, this is a a terrible tragedy for his family, for anyone who knew him, for his friends, and even for people who didn't know him. It's, it's a shocking thing that, that it's a crime that you hope we would the perpetrators would be found, tried, found guilty, and punished. And yet, over a year later now. Uh, as I said, it apparently has become a cold case. So when former Detective Rod Wheeler emerged two and a half months ago now and said he was on the case, I mean, he was a man with apparent credibility, a good reputation, and with the cooperation initially of the family of Seth Rich and funding from a third party to carry this investigation forward, uh, we became optimistic for a time that finally... uh, Uh, we'd see some closure in this case. Well, it didn't happen, and the reporting largely went back to the back burner. I should say as well that to be credited in this uh, reporting on the Sethridge case, uh, not only people like Alicia Powell, at Met Daly, who's done tremendous investigative work on this story, but also, uh, in addition to Fox 5 DC, the uh, local... ABC affiliate there, I believe, WJLA, Channel 7. Uh, I forget the reporter's name, but he has been on the case consistently from time to time, covering it not not totally, not day in, day out, but as his schedule allows and has developed information, as well as the One America News Network and some other Internet sources. And, in fact, today the emergence of uh, big league politics which is a fairly new site that started in January. It was an outgrowth of several people who left uh, Breitbart News and started up a new site and already it's uh checked the Alexa ratings. I can't remember if it's number seventeen thousand or around sixty thousand, but it's doing fairly reasonably well for a new site. They posted this uh half hour conversation with Rod Wheeler, which is part of the puzzle. And as Joe mentioned in uh uh the half hour starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, Rod Wheeler has left a video trail on Fox, of local D.C., and in his interviews on Fox National on May 16th, and those really can't be retracted. I mean, they were in his words, his analysis of, of what he was doing investigating the Seth Rich case, and even though he apparently is trying to retract it now with his legal filing. You know, I, don't, I didn't see anybody with a gun to his head when he was giving those sound bites, so I don't know. It remains to be seen. By the way, just a quick comment on where he might be coming from. That is Rod Wheeler in his uh, throwing everything, but the, including the kitchen sink, into his legal filing today, including his claim of racial discrimination. And uh, you know, it just it reminds me, it rings a bell of so many other Fox News on-air personnel as well as uh, behind-the-scenes personnel in the past year since this started to hit the fan in July of last year when um, Gretchen Carlson, the on-air talent who had been uh, pretty much taken off the air, was the first one to file a lawsuit claiming uh, sexual harassment and she was given a $20 million settlement and that opened the floodgates for a number of people to come forward and make similar claims, which is not to, I'm not intending to comment on the validity of the truth or otherwise of their claims. I think most of them have not actually been, or none of them has been adjudicated in court, but they are claims, basically, and there have been payouts, but a number of people now are joining these lawsuits, including a number of African-American employees and I believe Rod Wheeler is probably the second one who had an on-air role there, Then there are a number of behind-the-scenes people. But, you know, when you think about it, if uh, you know, I I have some empathy for someone in Rod Wheeler's position. I mean, the guy was clearly clinging to this on-air contributor role at Fox News for the past 12 years, and for whatever reason, he was not satisfied with the level of that role you know, Perhaps he did have a legitimate claim there. I, I don't know. Maybe that will be adjudicated. But in any case, he dips his toe in the water of this Seth Rich case, probably out of a sincere, uh, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt. He certainly seemed sincere at the outset that he was really going to use his investigative skills and his context to try to make a contribution to this case. And look what happened. I mean, I can draw an analogy with what happened to Dr. Michio Hirano, a, a very different case, which we were talking about last week, baby Charlie Gard. Dr. Hirano, being an, uh, a, an esteemed medical doctor and researcher at Columbia University Medical Center, uh, from what I could tell, had never involved himself in a controversial case before, got involved in the Charlie Guard case, and uh, starting on Monday of last week, suddenly Everybody's attacking him. The court in England, uh, the attorneys for the hospital, the judge in the case, the media. He he went from a miracle worker one day to a quack and a pariah the next, because he just took on something that was too big, the medical industrial complex. I mean, here Rod, Rod Wheeler you know, again, giving him the benefit of the doubt, probably tried to do the best he could, and uh, look what happened to him, you know, his his career was going up in smoke, so, you know, you can understand perhaps a little bit of where he's coming from with these lawsuits going forward, he probably figures, you know, why not me too, you know, I I was disgruntled, I was unhappy, and I'm going to get my piece of the action, so and you know, when I'm, you
1: with with Rod Wheeler when you toss in the emotion of the family or when you toss in the emotion of an unsolved homicide and the complexities of an unsolved homicide let me tell you something having worked on unsolved homicides i got i got to tell you um you, you just don't get any more emotional than that in terms of And pieces, the family but, turned
6: against him too he originally yeah. signed a contract with the family he was working on their behalf And right after he started going public in May, by the way, he claims that uh, there's some contention about his speaking out. The family criticized him and said, well, you spoke out of turn because we were supposed to okay your speaking out. And he was saying, I think it was on a recording he did with Big League Politics, or it might have been in his legal filing, that he felt that he had the right to speak out if it was not representing the family, which he felt he was not doing when he was speaking out in May. But, you know, there's the legal splitting hairs there. But the, the family was really actively turning against him starting in May. And yet in this recording we have from Big League Politics where he's on the record uh, letting his hair down for a half hour. Yes. He's talking at length about how he was not getting any cooperation in his initial investigations from Seth Rich's brother, uh, he, Rod Wheeler is having a hard time finding out where is Seth Rich's computer, which would have been an essential piece of evidence. Where is Seth Rich's phone or, or cell phones, plural? There was some, uh, some belief that the brother had custody of these, and, and Rod Wheeler was not getting cooperation from the family about those potentially essential pieces of evidence, so. I mean, this case is so complex and convoluted as, well, you would know very well, Doug, because of your background as a licensed investigator, but cases tend to be, you know, when you get beyond the the, uh, scattershot reporting of the mainstream media media about legal cases, they're all very complicated, and something like this is going to be probably among the most complicated when you see all the players who have an involvement or an interest in this. So the can of worms is very, very deep. and and hopefully we'll be able to get some clarity out of it in the days ahead and and it will be interesting to try to make some sense out of that and i will certainly be following up on it as i know you will too i mean today when i you know i checked out drudge first thing today and i saw a little item in red there relating to this i really think it should have been the main headline but i clicked on it and like you when you read the npr piece and then i listened to their six-minute report i thought is this believable or not? This is, I mean, what next? You know, what's tomorrow <laughs> going to be like? You you can't predict what one day after another we are going to see. It's just absolutely mind-boggling.
1: Yeah, indeed, Peter. Uh, th- thank you for contextualizing this uh, this Rod Wheeler situation into the larger picture, which is, you know is the takedown of Fox News, which is really a backdoor to taking down the uh, Donald Trump presidency, the will of the people, and the players involved here. It's very complex, but you understand it, and you've you've explained it very well. And I would urge everyone, when this uh, this is edited, this uh, piece is edited, please share it with others, because I think you really did a great job, and and I want to thank you for... I apologize for the the, the uh, late start, but uh, we've given you uh, uh, time through the uh, second or last hour or so
6: so. Yeah, let's I really talk, appreciate you know. that. I really pre- Let me just close with one quick thought. Sure. Uh, listeners and viewers, when you hear or see, read any reporting on Rod Wheeler, Seth Rich, these current developments today and possibly in the days ahead, please keep in mind, as Doug just suggested there, that this is part of a much larger picture and including the, the present and the future of the Fox News Channel. They may not seem immediately related at first blush, but they are, so keep your mind open because it's a big, big story.
1: You are the man. You are the man. Thank you so very much. Peter. Thank you, Doug. We'll talk Joe. soon. All right. Peter berry Thanks, Peter. Uh, Catches articles in American Thinker And at HagmanReport.com Just in a tremendously Intellectual uh, I mean this guy I'm serious man Uh, It it might be 3 o'clock in the morning his time And I'll be talking to him He's like a Steve Quayle uh, In terms of he never sleeps Hmm. But And he's He's got the surgical precision But but in the end I'm kind of given some time to get stand on um, in the end, at the end of the day, please understand this is not what you think it is. Okay, n- nothing that we're seeing is what you think it is. And I want to publicly thank Peter Barry Chowka, but I also want to publicly thanks but I also want to publicly thank Stan Dale for allowing us to kind of creep into his time. And I so apologize for that, Stan. Um, it kind of rolled into into where we're at. But Stan Dale from Standale.com is on a great friend of the program. If it's Tuesday, it's Tuesdays with Stan. Stan and Holly Dale, great friends of the program, great friends of ours. Uh had just a wonderful discussion with, with Stan and Holly last week. Just such they're just such great people. I love Stan and Holly Dale. I publicly proclaim that. And yeah, okay, thumbs up. Stan, welcome to the show.
7: Good to be here. I hear you were talking some um Islam or Muslim things during the first bit of the show, is that right? Yeah,
2: yes, we were, sir. We were talking with Brandon House about the uh, dangers and the true intentions by the Muslim Brotherhoods pertaining to inner faith dialogue.
7: Yeah. Yes, well, uh, people got to wake up because, you know, as we've said a couple times on the show in the past, the, the uh, Muslims, particularly the, the Middle East uh, uh, Muslim nations, are out to get the United States. There's no question about that. But they're going to get the whole world, I reckon, by the time this... Ten nation consortium is formed in the tribulation period and the thing that kind of clues me into that is the the mentions in the Bible of the persecution of people who won't take the mark you know principally Christian believers and Jewish believers in the tribulation period that they'll have their heads cut off if they catch them right? Okay where do you see people chopping off heads nowadays? In the Arab Muslim countries it's in the news you know and uh They still stone women, uh, you know, or uh, cut their hair off and stuff like that if they do things like wear a dress, you know, a miniskirt instead of that thing that covers them up. So, yeah, they're moving in on us. And uh, I I didn't realize uh, what the first-party program is about, but today I have uh, three or four articles based on Saudi Arabia and some of the things that they are doing to us, the United States. Um, Showing that you know they're not really all that much of a friend to us. You got to watch them. Um, you know there are calls in the international community, UNESCO, and various other places like that that promote world tourism sites. You know heritage sites, and they want to uh, declare Mecca as one. You know, and some others as holy sites. And Saudi Arabia says if you do that not only to us but the rest of the Arab nations over here, that are, you know, Muslim, uh, then we're going to consider that a declaration of war against us. Now, that would be against probably uh, an American organization doing that, so it would naturally think that uh, that's us. And at the same time, you've got young Prince uh, Salman, MBS, over there, uh, trying to set up um, a massive 50-island luxury resort in the Red Sea just off the coast of Saudi Arabia, which is part of Saudi Arabia. And it's a resort for the millionaires, you know, or multi-millionaires to go to. And there, the rules don't apply. The women don't have to wear veils and that kind of stuff. And all the things that women can't do, they can do on that island, and are one of the 50 islands. So he's really trying to bend over backwards to get tourism dollars in. Um, In fact, uh, image 45 on my show images page uh, at com um image 45 if if you um click on the text you can get to the article in detail about it but if you click on the picture of the red sea um it'll uh, it'll take you to the article as well but uh, I thought I had a pamphlet there I guess I didn't anyway um I tried to enlarge that pamphlet you can see and you can see it in the video on the site but uh, it tells all the things all the wonderful things that uh, they're going to give you you don't need a visa a passport is is optional that kind of junk uh, to get you to come to Saudi Arabia and spend your American tourism dollars, or, you know, tourism dollars elsewhere, but it's written in English for the Western world to, at this pamphlet they're handing out about the new tourist destination, Saudi Arabia. And at the same time, we've got um, uh, the crown prince, well, Mohammed bin Salman, is trying to sell through a, a London... Uh, stock firm, they're going to float an issue for a global investment fund, and it's going to raise $2 trillion for the Saudis. In return, they're putting up stake, you know, like some small percent, 5 percent of the Aramco, or American Arab oil co- uh, company. Now, I've suspected that something's wrong for some time with the price of oil. Uh, we're being assured by various economists that the price of oil will never go up over $50 a barrel again. But what we're seeing is, in in, in uh, slide forty one here, the new energy minister uh, Khalid Al-Weih uh, is uh, he's the um, the guy that's trying to squeeze our U.S. stockpiles. In other words, to diminish them. This is not a friendly act. So uh, the Arabs are the big you know elephant in the room as far as controlling oil exports in the Middle East, and particularly the United States and uh, uh, Europe. And so we're the last ones that they need to squeeze our reserves down, like uh, saying right now, and they have been for several months in Saudi Arabia, gee, we don't have enough oil, we're going to cut back production, you know. uh, uh, There's a glut of oil in the market. And so, of course, they've been letting the United States consume its oil stockpiles, and Europe as well. Uh, By doing this, we're reducing our oil supplies because we're not totally independent of foreign oil yet. We can coast for a while because I'm sure the government hasn't posted the real reserves for the oil we've got uh, in our uh, American-owned fields. But anyway, what it does reflect is that uh, that you can see the picture of the energy minister I put up there from Saudi Arabia, that they're being sly about this. They they are making huge economic moves um, to control energy in the world and to eventually control politically a lot of the world. So I'm watching the Saudis with intense interest because of what they're doing. Uh, In fact, uh, the king, uh, not the prince, but the king Salman, his father, is over in Iraq at the moment, and they're shaking hands over there and trying to make deals where they move closer together diplomatically, uh, Iraq and Saudi Arabia. So that gives another member to this consortium of power that Saudis are forming under the king's son, Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Things are shaping up just like Holly was talking about and the Bible was talking about, she was in uh, Prophetic peril's book talking about the war that's going to happen in the Middle East. And they, the order which you're going to do it, the countries involved. And this just tells me we're on the way to something like that forming. I mean, this Arab consortium is going to be trouble uh, to Israel and to the United States. So keep an eye on that. Ah, another yeah. point. Slide 30. Sorry?
2: No, I, I. this is a... It's just very interesting to, to see that. I mean, from, from appearances, it looks like it could be a, 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 very interesting place. And we've seen, uh, just on the, the Middle East, I wanted to bring up what's been going on in Israel with the Temple Mount. They have been, from what I've read, the Israelis have pulled back the metal detectors. And we've seen, uh, Turkey's President Erdogan telling, uh, all Muslims to protect the Temple Mount even from the israelis um and, and the i know that's not related to what you're talking about stan but i'm just wondering how um you know they're going to as the us moves towards more energy independent uh, us oil and the price of oil continues to you know go down especially uh from where they would like to see it they're continuing to pour all this money in here and the tensions in the middle east are still ongoing but yet have not affected the area of saudi arabia um, just a lot of things at play here. And, and this is something, and w- with people involved, that you've been keeping an eye on for a long time.
7: Yeah, I know, I know. They, you know, Erdogan over in Turkey, the uh, the president, and pretty soon I think we can call him the dictator of Turkey, uh, I think he's going to play a part somewhere in the tribulation period, perhaps a, a major part uh, in the formation of the uh, post-Antichrist um, era, because the, the first piece has to... Uh, lose power and uh, then be remembered, you know, by, you know, a talking image and that kind of stuff. But Erdogan, uh, in his country, some of the journalists last year, before he had so much control over them, were saying, look, let's form uh, an agreement with Israel, you know, between Turkey and Israel, on the Temple Mount. Let us let the Israelis build Solomon's Temple, which is a much smaller temple than the uh, uh, Herodian Temple, and uh, maybe put it on the north side of the... uh, the uh, Temple Mount, which is like a little garden area and some other things that could be moved around uh, to build the Temple there. And that way, we could allow the Israelis to worship on that part of the Temple Mount, you know, like maybe divide it off, keep us from going over on their side, and have peace between Israel and Turkey. Now, Erdogan may may be talking big about, you know, you bad people over there, uh, you Israelis, we're going to encourage the Muslims to resist and, and be a pain in your neck. But at the same time, He's got his cap in hand to the Israelis saying, look, uh, could I have a gas pipeline from your Mediterranean gas fields and you know, for energy here? Uh, can we come to an agreement? So that as as uh, President Trump would say, there's room for negotiation. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. But anyway, Erdogan is a big fan of um, the Caliph Suleiman, um, you know, like Solomon in their uh, legends, and he really as do most of the historical studies, you know, in, in uh, Turkey. He does really admire uh, and revere uh, this Solomon, this caliph of Turkey, you know, in the Ottoman Empire days. So he's like a Solomon as well, going back to Revelation 13, about here is wisdom, 666, which is, of course, the number of gold, uh, mm, uh, the amount of gold that King Solomon got in a year. But anyway, I digress. Um, Erdogan in Turkey has been trying to, uh, you know, fight uh, ISIS in a way over in uh, Syria, and uh, he's got troops in the area. And so Saudi Arabia wants to fight ISIS, and uh, that's the, the kind of public view of it. But I think what they're doing is forming a consortium to uh, move in the direction of Syria and then swing around and, and attack Israel. I think I've, I, I bet that relates to what Holly said as far as this next war that's going to start over there in the Middle East. So let's watch that area and see. Um, she and I were talking about this earlier, about uh, all these nations getting together over there in the Arab nations, not the Asian ones. And she reminded me, of course, uh, in the Bible, that there's going to be a 200-million-man army in Revelation 9:16 that moves into the Middle East at the end of the Tribulation to have the Armageddon War. And uh, she said, you know, if you, if you add China and India and all the other Asian countries, you know, in, in that little group over there, and, and Russia too, uh, you can see how they could raise a two hundred million man army, and in slide thirty eight a link to an article that you link to on our website uh, today showing the Chinese showing off their troops and airplanes and this kind of stuff, and talking about this a bit, showing how much war equipment is around the planet and how many soldiers people are raising, you know, whether it be North Korea or you know uh, India or Pakistan. they're all really putting together big armies because they know a big conflict is coming in the area. That might be seven or eight years from now, but still, it is coming, and we can see biblical prophecy staring us in the face.
2: Yeah, and it's happening in a number of, of different ways. Uh, you know, many people attribute some of the earth changes and the natural disasters, uh, the increased earthquakes, uh, is what the Bible says is prophecy. The wars, the rumors of wars. We've seen the the world wars and and the overthrowing of a number of nations just since the Arab Spring, and now we have North Korea, you know, um, continuing to be very aggressive uh, with their rhetoric and with their nuclear testing, and there is um, a lot of things that are happening in today's day and age that can be linked to prophecy, or being done rightfully so or otherwise, uh, it does seem to line up, and all indications are that. When all these things are lining up simultaneously, everybody better pay attention.
1: And if, I can ask, Stan, if I can ask you a question, your thoughts on North Korea, what's going to happen there? I'm, I'm, not that you've got a crystal well,
7: ball, but. If you just read our news page Holly puts up, um, the news rolls off after two or three days, you know, she keeps you know, the last two or three days of news up there, but uh, you'll see in those two or three days of news how much. Uh, you know um, editorial space is uh, and articles are donated to um the North Korean situation and the threat to the United States now depending upon what source you read uh the North Koreans can field a an international uh, nuclear missile as far as part of Alaska southern southwestern part of Alaska and our west coast like you know maybe up as far as Seattle and uh, down to Los Angeles now other articles say well no the thing has a range of 10,000 miles it can actually hit New York and Washington from uh, North Korea. Now I don't know that I trust the North Korean technology wherever they got it to be totally reliable to avoid all of our anti-missile systems at the moment. I mean they may be getting Chinese you know software and, and uh, hardware that would allow them to get through our missile defense. I don't know. But certainly they have a uh, I think 20 to 30 submarines, it might even be more that we know about. Um, they're not super submarines or anything, but they will travel around the planet underwater. Now, if they were to put a uh, submarine-launched uh, nuclear missile on their subs and bring them over into the North Atlantic and park them in international waters so, you know, so they're not detected or whatever, they could rise up, just surface. And launch a missile over New York or over the the central United States as well, to have an EMP effect or just an EMP effect over New York or you know Washington State in that area, sorry, not Washington State but Washington DC in that area, in Virginia, and it would it would create chaos when no one there could communicate with each other, phones would be down, all that kind of stuff. So I, I think that we need to pay attention to these guys because they can get close enough to us, and they may even already have. Uh, nuclear devices in launch things inside of a sea-tanner that's parked here because every sea-tanner that comes in the country is not checked. I-, I think less than 5% of them get checked. Yeah, Holly said last year it was less than 2% get checked when they come into the country. So you know what you can put in a sea-tanner. I mean, a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, so stuff could be in place now to be launched within the country that we just couldn't get to in time with our defense systems. North Korea's a problem. China's a problem. Russia's a problem. We're in trouble. I mean, just look at the articles, scan down through our, our website, page, mm-hmm. uh, news page there. Um, things are really tense, and North Korea may be a catalyst that starts the Chinese coming after us. You know, the Chinese are long-term players, and they really want Russia and, and the Arab nations and the Asian nations other than China to get involved in the Middle East. China follows, you know, the, the Genghis Khan's rules of war. Let your enemies beat themselves together, you know, beat themselves up. And you go in there and encourage that until they are just whipped in the war they have between themselves. Then you step in and you take, in this case, the oil fields of the Middle East without much resistance because the armies are all, you know, defeated. Anyway, that's that's the situation with North Korea. I I would keep a, a cautious eye on that.
2: Okay, and Stan, we're going to, to skip the network break, but i got to uh, bring a quick word from uh, Greenovative, and Alan Riggs over at Greenovative. Uh, folks, many of you know Greenovative Saltwater Powered Chargers make power anytime, anywhere, in any weather, day or night. It's a very amazing and reliable product. Since their launch on our show, The Hagman Report, in September of 2016, Greenovative has improved their product line based on the Hagman audience feedback and requests for more power. They first introduced the Super GMAG Charger Package, with replaceable power pucks and extra accessories, then came the Super G Mag package that had lots of batteries and lots of adapters. And recently, they introduced the new Greenovative Complete Package with two pairs of the triple power pucks. Each pair of the triple power pucks will recharge over 300 AA batteries. With the pair of the triple power pucks, you can charge six AA batteries every week for an entire year, With just one, and then you can use the other one to go for another year. Truly amazing. Greenovative is offering a 12% discount on all their GMAG charger packages that come with one or two pairs of the Power Pucks. Uh, You can get the double or the triple Power Pucks. It's your choice. Go to greenovative.com and enter the discount code HAGMAN to receive your 12% discount on one of their charger packages. The world is becoming a very scary place. Hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, earthquakes wars rogue nations who have designs on doing us harm get one of Greenovative's EMP safe and very reliable power units when you need it you will be glad that you have it go to Greenovative.com enter the discount code Hagman and if you have any questions send them to Alan Riggs at the numbers there on the screen uh, it's also three two one five seven six two seven one two. give Mr. Riggs a call and see how he can help you that's Greenovative.com all right, Stan. Let's get right back to it. You were talking just a minute ago about North Korea, China, and even Russia being problematic for the United States. Uh, there is a lot of it seems like these countries, from a Western perspective, are you know obstructing some type of move towards a a global government. And other people look at it as these people, or these countries, are resisting. The implementation of a new world order. Iran, uh, China, North Korea, and Russia. Um, very interesting, and it's, and it's um, you know, coming down to the wire, the, you know, there's only those nations left that are really, uh, you know, outside of NATO, have their own economic, you know, with the BRICS system, and it seems that they're, you know, giving heavy pushback to the globalists who are trying to uh, you know bring them under the subjugation of their central bank and, and world system, so conflict seems that it seems like at some level in some way it will be here in the near future. North Korea seems to be one of the most um the biggest wild card in all this with their rhetoric and and constant threatening uh of being able to launch missiles at at South Korea and even now the continental United States. So definitely something we must keep our eyes on. And many people believe uh, with North Korea that Trump's in a lose-lose situation, uh, meaning if he strikes first, you know, he's going to be taken to task as some kind of warmonger and interventionalist. But if he doesn't do anything and North Korea strikes first, people are going to attack him and ask him why he did not do anything in the first place. So really it's a tough situation for any leader having to deal with that situation
7: absolutely the the thing is that um, there there are at least three polarities in the global um, ruling class of the planet people speak of the globalist Illuminati well they are really talking about European uh, English American countries that are in a a tight uh, control by you know bankers from Europe Uh, China can break free Russia you know, may still be part of the uh, the Western consortium of, of power, you know, for the Illuminists. But the Illuminists don't control China and Asia. They try with the banks and various other things, but China is aware of this, and I'm thinking they're going to encourage their Asian neighbors to stay clear of this new global order coming up until we have a global nuclear war start. And, uh, you know, it won't be very many hours until that's over, but when that happens, there will be a cry to set up a world peace, you know, a global government and although um, China, Asia and all the other nations will probably be included in this, they will either break free of it toward the end of the tribulation to attack the countries in the Middle East, or they will just not join to start with and, and move in there and clean up like Genghis Khan would have done. It's it's definitely a very critical time for us and as Holly said, the uh, uh, you know, the with all the troops gathering and all the weapons being put together, that not since the Cuban Missile Crisis has nuclear war been more likely. That's why, I mean, if you want to get a handle on these countries and their moves that are forecast in the Bible, look in the Prophetic Perils book. She has a whole section devoted to these things in the Middle East maps showing who's going to have what property by the Bible. And it uh, it helps you to get clarity then on what's happening over there. If that weren't enough, did you see? Did you see that NASA has a new program that they're going to test October the twelfth to detect potentially hazardous objects? And there's, there's one that's about thirty meters in diameter, or maybe a hundred. They say they're not sure, somewhere in that range. Uh, that's going to pass within forty-two hundred miles of our surface, but don't worry because we're going to try our little, you know, uh, uh, deflector <laughs> program to move it a little, a little off course so that it, it goes ahead and misses us.
4: 4, I, 4, I, I, miles. I, I didn't get,
2: I didn't get the memo on I, this. I, I saw that and I wondered, what if they accidentally uh, do something that knocks it, you know, right into the path of Earth instead of, you know, trying to to move it hey, away.
7: Even if it goes where they say at a at the at closest distance at forty two hundred miles, that's within what they call the medium range orbits for satellites. Right, like all of our GPS, all of Russia's. GLONASS, or, or their GPS satellites, all of them are located within 1,243 miles to 22,000 miles out in what's called the medium orbit. Well, this is way down inside the medium orbit. I mean, we're talking 4,200 miles versus 1,243 is the lower limit of it for orbiting satellites. Can you imagine the chaos if it accidentally threw off course some of the, uh, I think it's 12 GPS uh, global positioning satellites? I mean, it's coming in the area.
1: Well, just, Just don't touch my
4: satellite TV.
7: No, <laughs> oh, sorry. Boy, don't use your uh, your your garment anymore or during that time it's probably going to end up <laughs> taking you to China or something. Amazing,
1: Wow. Well, 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 it's so okay, but, but about this object, um 4200 miles as you said that that that's kind of <laughs> that's concerning to me. And it's even concerning to me that they're going to like attempt to deflect it. Oh, what could possibly go wrong? Here, hold my beer. Watch this. Um, (laughs) True.
7: (laughs) Yeah, sorry. I
1: don't know. But but, um, uh, shouldn't we be worried a little bit? Or not? Well, I
7: would have thought they might have picked a different asteroid to try to deflect. Um, Maybe there are reasons they have to do it this way. I don't know. But it worries me. And. Maybe they were concerned that if they didn't do something it might, you know, shift gravitationally and impact us. Uh, I don't know. It, I just can't see the logic, but then I don't work for NASA or the government. It it does worry though, doesn't it? I mean you, you see them doing this and uh you know, something that close. Wow, holy cow. <laughs> hey, did you see that? Yeah, wow, that was good.
1: <laughs> ah, we're still breathing. Wait, 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 when's this gonna happen so I can so I can get get October in my bunker. the twelfth. October the twelfth. I'm going to. run So, hey, Eric, you you got uh, depending on what time of day that this is, you might have the thirteenth forward uh, off. Uh,
7: <laughs> <you know. laughs> Don't wow. worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. All
1: right. Okay. Yeah. Um, Earthquakes slides
7: thirty-seven, thirty-eight, and thirty-nine today. The global earthquake count shows that the activity is at the moment down in uh, Chile, Peru. As far as some of the clusters or swarms of quakes and along the Aleutians. Uh, the swarms in the states are rather minimal in, in oh, the south end of the Juan Fuca plate. There were a few that were in the range of uh, Richard Four, or so in the last week. Uh, the other, the other normal candidates for quakes are doing their business, you know, uh, very sparse over in Europe and North Africa, but always in the, um, southwest, uh, in, in Oceania. Uh, you know, Australia and all those Asian islands there. and okay. uh, Let's see, and that's down there where that <clears throat> asteroid impact was. Okay, then you go back over to wow. uh, slide 38, and let's look at the United States, and you can see closer the earthquakes, something significant up there in the tip of the Aleutians uh, toward Alaska. And then you see that we still have um, a swarm of quakes over in Oklahoma, and there's debate about whether this is due to... Um, You know, the fracking and increased lubrication of the fault line on the edge of the craton there. You know, who's going to know for sure, except the the scientists, they can't tell you. Um, New Madrid's had a couple of quakes, so we're we're still kind of rocking and rolling over in in California, and there are two pieces of tectonic stress that I can see. One loops all the way around through um, uh, Wyoming, Montana, up into Washington State, and back down around into northern california and then another branch goes down in toward the imperial uh, fault line uh, coming out of mexico and to the southern tip of uh, california back up to uh, Eureka. Yeah. Okay, and just a little bit more of a close-up map of the united states you can see those quakes where they're forming the ridges are mountains you can see that over in montana and wyoming and utah the quakes are forming along that mountain range which was caused by compression of that particular part of the plate Wow! Wow! Look at that! Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. Yeah, hundred. We just put up a, a ten book Dare to Prepare a giveaway on the homepage on Standale dot com.
0: Uh, I was going to ask you about people, that. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah.
7: A lot of people okay. already uh, have uh, put their names in, and uh, so we're having one of those uh, several times a year type giveaways.
1: Well, very generous, and uh, wow, uh, folks! Enter, but if if you do nothing else, Dare to Prepare, prophetic barrels, prudent places, all the books, all the all the DVD series, you can't go wrong, no matter what you pick. And uh, but Dare to Prepare right now is the mainstay. Um, uh, if if your home doesn't have Dare to Prepare, then then you're missing out. So wow, thank you for doing that.
2: It's great, Stan. If we could go to number 43 the DNA of ancient Canaanites lives in modern day Lebanese Uh, and then it goes on to say genetic analysis shows Goliath was said to be only 7 to 10 feet tall by Torah or uh, I'm opening the link here I didn't catch that last one some other text here an article from the Los Angeles Times Um, pretty interesting Uh, do you trust these studies these uh these type of genetic well, analysis. Um,
7: we know that God directed uh, Joshua and his armies to um, his army to totally destroy uh, occupants of various villages that were Canaanites because they had the the hybrid blood from the the fallen ones. You know that uh, had come down and bred with our women and had formed chimera type uh, half man half animal beings, uh, which of course the Egyptians had put up as some of their god images. Now. Um, we um, there are two there are two groups uh, that say you know how tall Goliath was, um, and I don't know if it tells it in that article, but I, I will tell you that Goliath, d- depending upon which um, resource you go to, Goliath was between seven and ten feet tall. Um, you'll see that in the link that I have there underneath those pictures of those giant skeletons that I made. Um, Where he talks about the the height, you know, of the, the giants, the, the Amorites, the fact that they were descended from Noah's grandson Canaan, but you know that tells me that one of Noah's sons' wives had mixed blood. Noah was pure bloodline, but one of his uh, his uh, sons and his wife had a child, a grandson named Canaan, and if he was a giant or had giant blood in him, that was passed on to the the dwellers there of Canaan, then some of the DNA escaped the the great flood, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. Remember when the Exodus happened and Moses was taking them through the desert there, and he said, look, I'm going to send these, what, ten spies up into Canaan, into the land which is now Israel and Lebanon. they so going up in there and see, you know, scout it out and see what kind of people are there and, you know, will survive and that kind of stuff. And these guys come back carrying huge, you know, like grapefruit-sized grapes and, uh, and huge vegetables and, and, uh, and uh, you know, crops. And they said, we're afraid to go back because although these things are big, which a lot of things are up in that territory, the people are gigantic. They're big. I mean, you know, you, you fall down your face in fright if you see how big they are. Now, okay, back in those days, five foot was kind of probably an average height. People were like hobbits, you know, a little bit tiny. And a seven foot to a a ten-foot guy would definitely be impressive. I mean, if he's three quarters to twice your size, one and three quarters, twice your size, you look up at him as he you know, clobbers you. So, what they were all afraid, and they came back and reported Moses and the people in the camp. They voted on it. Hey, we're not going up into that area. There's no way we can't beat those guys. And this is after God has done all the miracles for Israel in the Exodus, and they still think, no, I, you know, we can't trust God to do that. They're still early in the trust game. So as a result, God said, okay, you don't have to go there now. You're going to wander in the desert over in Saudi Arabia for 40 years. And that's what happened. So when Joshua then led the survivors of the uh, of the exodus across into Israel to claim the promised land, he was instructed to kill the the, the villages that still had gigantic uh, genes in the animals and the, the human population. Weird, isn't it?
2: very interesting and I'm, I'm reading the article here and how it talks about um, a whole different number of people than they, uh, of cultures and they go on to say that not only uh, the Lebanese but people from uh, ancient Israel the Phoenicians the Moabites all share these this comic genetic background Amorite. that they yeah. say date back to 3,500 uh, 3, years ago to 6,600 years ago which is very I, I love this kind of stuff uh, reading about it I just always wonder how, how accurate the science is um, but Yeah, DNA, I mean I,
7: the flood occurred but uh, I think we figured somewhere around um, what's the consensus uh, 2345 B.C. or somewhere around that area and if you're talking about 3,500 B.C then what they're finding if it's an accurate date again that's a big if using radiometric dating that they do because that's just flawed it's all get out um... if that's the case then it would mean that the giants lived before the flood uh, and about um... twelve hundred years before the flood um, now according to biblical text the garden of eden was only four thousand bc and you know on accelerated time young earth theory That means that we go down 500 years and we've got all these crossbred beings uh, with uh, the descendants of uh, Adam and Eve mixing with the fallen ones in their various settlements across the planet. And I want to uh, reiterate this. When people talk about Atlantis, it was mentioned in the Bible and um, in uh, the Book of Jubilees, I think. Um, The area... How do I explain that? Um... Anyway, the, the the area is um, where all of the crossbreeding occurred with mankind there in Saudi Arabia. That's Atlantis, but it's one of twelve, if not more, communities that were settled by the ones that were fallen ones. They divided up the earth between themselves. The only existing record we have is of the Arabian uh, peninsula branch, which is you know Atlantis, but there are obscure references to it in. Uh, Chinese and European, uh, and in some South American literature, or, you know, hieroglyphs or whatever. So, wh- what happened? I don't know. But, uh, I think the dating, as you said, could be off a bit. But it, within 500 years of Adam and Eve uh, starting to breed, there would have been a number of humans down into the, the Saudi Peninsula, down through the Great East African Rift area. So, it could have been then. So, I don't know. We, we'll, we'll take it with what they say in uh, kind of a grain of sand about whether.
2: Okay. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely interesting. Uh, yeah, where do you want to look go next? Wow.
7: Uh, look up at forty-six. The animation there—it's somebody else's animation, but it—it it showed something I wanted to uh, explain. If you go in about three seconds into this eleven-second animation, and look at where Saudi Arabia or the Arabian Peninsula is, and where India is, it—it sh- it shows the Saudi Peninsula as an island. And mm-hmm. I know there are different animations which say that it's connected always to North Africa, but it, it, there was a split there, and Africa and um, the Arabian Peninsula were separate from Eurasia. So if you look at uh, three seconds in, you'll see that a little blob on the northeast corner of African continent is separated off, and if you let the animation then run from that, you'll see that India eventually catches up with it, and at some point in time the saudi peninsula connects to uh, the european thing and europe uh, and uh, sorry india goes up into the uh, eurasian continent and pushes up the himalayas like a, i talked about do in the last
1: discussion. yeah that, that that's really neat
7: uh, i've seen the, better but uh, rather than waste time myself to do it i thought right I'll do this as um. i say there are a number of, uh, you know, learned arguments about which things were really connected together and where they fit into the Pangea picture, and all of them uh, that I've seen show India the, the shape it is in this animation and the shape it is today. But it was much longer before the asteroid impacted on its east coast, which, you know, I talk about in the Atlantis uh, lecture on the uh, YouTube uh, uh,
1: how, how long, uh, Stan, I know this is going to make me sound like a moron, but how long did... No oh, more than <laughs> no more than usual, right? How, how long did that, that whole process that we're watching take? Ten minutes.
7: Well, according to officialdom, 100 million years ago it started. According to the Bible, it would have started um, the Pangaea breakup around the time of Peleg, I think after the great asteroid impact on the east coast of India, which would uh, have been um,
0: maybe 2235 or somewhere in that area. Okay.
7: B.C.,
1: but to where we're at, from from the one continent or one landmass to where we're at today, the whole process, how long did that, um, how long did that
7: take? A hundred million years, they say, you know, technically. They're rating it okay. on the rate at which continents are approaching each other or separating now in
1: I see, I see.
7: millimeters per year, right? And what all of us who support a young earth theory and a smaller earth diameter What we say is, is that's rubbish. This was a catastrophic impact that shoved the continents apart rapidly. And now mainstream is starting to have the odd paper come out and say, you know what, it looks like the continents were part of a catastrophic impact that shoved them apart rapidly. (laughs) Duh! (laughs) Anyway, I, I have fun with these things during the week when I have a spare moment here and there, my mind wanders, and I think about... When the Earth was before the ber- breakup of the landmass, there were these four great rivers that uh, ran from uh, northern Tanzania, from the Garden of Eden, down the Great East African Rift, and around, uh, around India and around Iran and, uh, you know, up uh, toward um, the Mediterranean. Anyway, these great rivers ran between what became continents, and what they happened was that they chewed out chunks of the surface, weakening them, so that when the impact of the asteroid came they caused the flood, it was easy to break apart these different continents because they were already, you know, cut apart on the surface by the erosion of water at high velocity, and, um, you know, before that then, when the Earth was, was uh, about 75% of the diameter it is now, gravity was stronger, and uh, gravity was, um, you know, like um, on the square of the change in the, in the radius, and you, uh, math buffs can do that, but gravity would have been at least two times stronger than it is now, probably about 2.3 times, as I recall. And that meant that dinosaurs and these big animals and stuff had to have thick legs. But oxygen was more plentiful in the atmosphere then, and also the atmosphere was compressed because the planet was much tinier and, and the gravity was greater. So that meant that leather-winged flying dinosaurs could fly through this mush of air. I mean, they could actually, without as much uh, animation as they'd have to do now, they could actually feel the air under their wings and could fly in this heavy, soupy-like atmosphere. And um, so I wonder, you know, some of the things that uh, Tolkien uh, did for his uh, Hobbit series, he talked about old uh, runic writings he'd seen, and he got from that the three kingdoms, upper, middle, and lower Earth kingdoms, and that kind of stuff. And I wondered if this gravity was so strong before the Flood did it make people shorter and stockier and then as the planet expanded after the impact those that survived then grew through generations taller because the gravity wasn't uh, compressing them so much so I think that the attempts to like uh, recreate or clone a an, an elephant or, or like a, a mammoth who lived in that environment to clone him and bring him out to birth now in an action uh, an atmosphere that's so thin by comparison gravity is so much lighter would he survive in this environment would any of those ancient animals survive in the current environment
2: good point huh
7: mind you we've got to ask if we're going to survive look at slide 47 I think it, I calculated it roughly at around the 10th or 11th of August you know, this month that that solar flare that uh, had a, a halo coronal mass ejection come out while it was facing away from the earth it's due around to be facing us around the 10th or 11th of August and that could be interesting and problematic. Uh, Earth-directed flares, CMEs, this is a very active region on a sun that's kind of not even in its high sunspot. Uh, oh, Holly, you just reminded me, at the same time that the Perseid uh, meteor shower peaks, starting now and going through to the 11th. It, it, and d- does that, dying off. Would that
1: exacerbate? I, I mean, it, 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 what effect does the solar or the meteor shower have on Oh, it's the sun,
7: just a on that timing. I mean, okay. um, we're entering a stream of debris, uh, you know, the Percy debris field. But um, right. now the the thing we've got to worry about is the CMA or Earth-rated flares. Uh, if we have another Carrington-type event and get hit with something, I'd say that 96% yeah. of the Earth's electrical systems would be toast. Well, at least on that side of the sun. Have you ever wondered in the Battle of Armageddon why they're using horses and uh, stuff like that in their battle? Is it it possible that the EMP has destroyed all of the electronic devices so they have to go to the normal type of warfare, ancient warfare? Do
1: I need to get a horse, Stan.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You get a big sword, too.
1: (laughs) And a sword. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. And, and folks, Green Innovative and Solar, my goodness, okay. Um, Just think about that, uh, our sponsors. Uh, because EMP, EMPs are nothing to, to, to really fun fun about. There's nothing funny or fun about an EMP. So, Green innovative and our uh, solar. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the links, and as well as their Bear for Sandales and Holiday's or Holiday's book, Sandales website, and their giveaway. But yeah. get one anyway. But all right, sir. Yeah. Wow. That's. Huh.
7: I, I, and if you look at slide 48 quickly, that's a link to a seeker. I don't know what they're their main thing is uh, climate change or whatever, but uh, it's an article about how we might be able to mitigate the climate change over the next, uh, oh, 80 years or so um, to keep it from the climate average temperature from going over 2 degrees Celsius, because that's, you know, fire times for the planet, something like that, drought and all kinds of stuff. And so in the middle of the article, I noticed one little paragraph, which just leaped out at me, leapt out. It says the cocktail to geoengineer our own planet back to you know social or, or to uh, environmental norms that we would like the first ingredient is one of the most prominent ideas in geoengineering it is spraying aerosols into the stratosphere to reflect some of the sun's incoming rays back into space can you say kim trail
1: interesting interesting indeed hmm anyway
0: Yes, yes. And we actually saw oh, well. the
7: M-Trail 2 yesterday or the day before. It's, it's been so quiet that we hadn't seen anything, and then all of a sudden, there they were. Not a lot, but I know. You
0: know,
1: it, it, it's amazing to me still today how many people say, oh, that's just a bunch of bunk, but... Um, <laughs> but I, they don't get out. Ooh, I don't even, <laughs> you, exactly. You don't look up. Look up. And, and then, you know, if you compare the old movies, um, outdoor movies where they actually shot on... And compared to 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 today, it's different.
4: Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it is. Look at yeah. World War II. There there are some areas where there
7: were contrails became like chemtrails. There are the contrails lasted a long time over industrialized yeah. areas where they were bombing, and there was a lot of dust and stuff being thrown up into the air to form precipitants from their you know the
2: the engines and the, and the props that were driving those planes. But right. anyway, but n- it's an interesting like it article.
7: Guys, right? I think we've th- reached the end almost.
2: Yes, we have. Yeah. Stan, thank you fantastic. so much for, wow, for another great show, another great hour. What a! And, uh, you and Holly both, uh, keep up the, the great work and we will talk with you next week.
1: All right, what guys. A great show. Thank Bye-bye. you, Stan. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, the Deos. God bless them. StanDeo.com, visit their website and dare to prepare. Again, that's, that's the primary resource for preparations bar none. And of course, uh, prophetic perils as well. They're great people. It's a, it's a great, great book. And, uh, thanks, Joe, for everything. Now, tomorrow I'll be on at nine. You'll be on at two. Um, and then tomorrow night, of course,
2: our regular program at seven. All right. Until then, stay safe. God bless. Have a great night.